0: When the chill wind blows and the shutters rattle, you know it's time for another episode of Red Pages Podcast. Everybody, it is Wednesday, June tenth, twenty fifteen. This is Red Pages Podcast, episode fifty-three, I think. And I, I'm Justin, and I am a
1: presence. I'm Gord, and I'm perceptive. I'm Paul, and I've literally blinded myself to be thematic this episode.
0: <laughs> and uh, this week we have with us a special guest. Special guest, who are you?
1: I'm Bill Gardner. I'm the creative director at uh, at
2: uh, the Deep End Games, and I am really floored with those intros, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, literally seconds of thought we're putting. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, sharp. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you uh, why don't why don't you very briefly tell our listeners who you are, and then we'll we'll talk about what you do a little later in the episode.
2: Sure. Um, so, I uh, have been designing games for about thirteen years now. Um, I started as QA at Irrational Games uh, way back in the day and and worked my way up to lead designer and and design director eventually on uh, Bioshock Infinite. Uh, And ever since, uh, you know, Irrational, uh, ever since I've been Irrational, I've been, um, you know, focusing on uh, forming the deep end games and uh, building perception. And so so, uh, I've been busy.
0: (laughs) So so you were irrational, but now you've gone off the deep end. (laughs) One (laughs) way of putting
2: it, yes, absolutely.
0: Ah, cool. So, uh, you're, you're making a game right now called Perception, which is entirely based on a concept we pitched a couple episodes ago, <laughs> uh, where, you, where you play a video game uh, as a blind person. Right, All right, Very. Cool. So, so, uh, good turnaround on that.
3: Daredevil. Minion yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: That's true. I, I think that, you know, it, uh, it, it obviously lends itself, I'm biased, but uh, lends itself very nicely to, to a game. Uh, so, good on you.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, in I don't know approximately 60 minutes, <laughs> but first uh, let's let's ask what are the haps, gentlemen? What have you been doing in the past week or or so that is of interest? Um, Gord, you haven't gone first in a while. Why don't you, why don't you go first?
3: All right, uh, I have been. What have we been doing? I uh, have been watching Tested Builds Lego. Uh, tested other the dudes who they did a sort of I think what happened is that they were just doing a similar Mythbusters thing, something similar to Mythbusters except on YouTube. Um, I. Probably explained this on, uh, last show or something. It seems pretty familiar. Anyway, um, so Adam Savage got connected with them and they started doing some really cool stuff. Uh, and one of the, uh, the off episode things that they're doing is they are, uh, spending half an hour every day building Lego kits. Uh, and, uh, Will is building a, uh, Death Star playset and Norm is building a Superstar Destroyer and they're having a race. And is that day. Death
0: Star? Is that the Death Star, the one that Zach was talking about?
3: Yeah, the one that's really, really fun. <laughs> okay. It definitely looks really fun. Um, instead of being the uh, the the the, uh, the one that is aiming for accuracy, it's uh, it's got about four floors, and there aren't any. There's, there's no shell on the Death Star, so you can just see straight into, uh, say, uh, the uh, the Emperor's throne room where he's hanging out chilling in this dark, gloomy room or uh, the over here is the uh, the trash compactor that has walls that swing back and forth and uh, and that's been fun. Uh, the star destroyer, I think is a lot more boring, but it's definitely got a lot more detail work. Uh, and every couple of episodes they will uh, pull out a challenge. Uh, for example, uh, in one episode they uh, they wore an eye patch over one eye. So they didn't have any depth reception and they had to try to build like that. And another one they had the lights off and they had uh headlamps and so they could only see this narrow uh circle of light in front of them. Um and uh it's a it's a pretty good um, idle video, just something to have going on in the background. And I've been enjoying that. That's roughly it. Uh still reading the Harry Potter series. We're on to book seven now, uh and all of the stops have been pulled out and people are dying left and right. That's uh
0: so it's it's picked up for you, right? Like you, it's it's gotten out of that
3: slump that it was in. Oh yeah, yeah. Five, yeah. I guess five could have been half as long, but six was uh six was a blur because we were tearing through it so quickly.
0: Uh Did you were, you? were you shocked at the fact that Snape killed Dumbledore?
3: You know, I remembered that Dumbledore died. I did not remember that Snape killed Dumbledore.
1: Even though that was oh, the, see, like See, I was
3: joking.
0: <laughs> I
3: thought that was just a thing that
0: everybody knew, sort of like how Rosebud is the sled. Right. Or or Darth Vader I, is Luke's father. I I've uh, actually it, never but read the series.
2: I've never read the series. Did they did they no, it's okay. I, I <laughs> <laughs> Ruined
1: forever. the Ruined for Stature
2: Limitations has is clearly stale online. Um is that is that true or did they is it then did they retract that or retcon and be like oh no was snape? it was
0: no no snape literally just kills Dumbledore." but
2: there was him. a reason right like you thought Snape was bad i think yeah. there's a reason i'm okay, pretty sure yeah
0: uh yeah <laughs> probably there's she's probably a, a really good reason
3: she's <laughs> she's she's been pretty good about um oh, what's the word uh calling shots um this, this is my first time through the series and my wife it's her Second, uh, you know, you
1: know, it's almost like, third like she uh, plan parts of this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like, so my wife's
3: been uh, been paying attention for things, and uh, once once those things have uh, have have turned out to have happened, she'll say, "Oh man, I, I didn't want to say this at the time, but do you remember that one part where uh, this thing happened? That was totally just uh, um, laying the groundwork for this to happen." For like you know six books in advance, which is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, my wife yeah. was uh, really frustrated with me when uh, you know she was reading the series, and and I'm barely literate, so I, I didn't read the series. Um, but <laughs> she uh, she had just finished the the I guess the one you're on, and and she had this like you know. I don't know. She was a little bit shocked to what happened and and she's like, I can't believe it just happened. And I said, "Oh, what? Dumbledore died, I'm guessing. obi
3: wan died, or whatever." She's like, "You're an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was like, I mean, you, it, it was going to happen, sure, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's
3: a there's a, a gag like, in Penny Arcade a while back like that. Uh Gabe was just reading Harry Potter mm-hmm. and Tycho spoils the Dumbledore death and uh and then Gabe gets mad at him and Tycho says, "What? Well, come on. It's like saying Gandalf dies. Right. Gandalf. Gandalf
1: dies. Yeah, you know,
0: Gandalf or, or Obi Wan yeah. or Jesus. They all die. Sure, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. some Yeah. The proto,
0: of form, uh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Uh, the proto uh, Messiahs that did the whole what was his name? It's like Gray something. I forget, anyway. That that uh, that is not nearly as interesting as it would have been if I had um,
0: <laughs> If you had any idea what
3: you were
1: talking about. <laughs>
3: Uh, don't worry. In forty-five minutes, I'm going to interrupt all of you um, with the, the the revelation. Anyway, uh, Justin, what have you been up to?
0: Um, well, uh, not a lot. I I've been out of work, sick, uh, for the past. I don't know. I I was out on Thursday and then I went in on Friday and that was a bad idea. And I've been out again all week. So that that's uh. That means there's been a lot of sitting around and doing nothing. I did go on a hike on Sunday. Uh, I hiked to a sweet bamboo forest and we walked around in there. And then I, I hiked down a stream to the river around here and we sat on the beach and talked about, you know, just whatever, nothing important. But it's, uh, it was just perfect weather. I really enjoy doing this sort of thing and I'm really happy that the, the climate here is, uh, gracing us with just perfect, like, no humidity, sunny, 73 degrees weather. Um, perfect for, for hiking and stuff. Um, the downside of that was that I came home and was just covered in ticks. Ah, I remember. So, yep, it was, it was tick city. So now I'm super itchy.
3: Did you all always- as you are supposed to do exactly never?
0: No, I I pulled them off with uh, my fingers and then later a pair of nail clippers as I found more of them. Mm. Uh, and then I was really mean to them with the nail clippers and made sure that they were in several pieces for <laughs> daring, daring to, to drink the blood of me.
3: Um, that's, that's a callback yeah. to the whole uh, proto-Jesus thing. <laughs> yep.
0: Um... Yeah, I think other than that, I didn't have nearly as exciting a week this week as I did with all of the the cool stuff I saw last week. Mm. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. I also, because I have not been on the bus at all, haven't had any any more chance to get through Dante's Inferno uh, from EA Games, so I uh, haven't, been, haven't been reading a lot either. Mostly sleepy. I also started to watch um, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is the only Nightmare on Elm Street minus the remake that I don't care about that I hadn't seen, and I think... Is pro, like from an artistic standpoint is maybe one of the best ones because it is set in the real world, and the conceit is that they are. It's got all of the actors from the original one except for Johnny Depp, I guess, and they are. Wes Craven calls him in and says, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna make a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie. You guys want to be in it? It'll be a huge deal. We'll do it, like with the the original cast returning." And they're like, "Sweet!" And so they they are making a movie about making a Nightmare on Elm Street. But as they make the movie, things start to go wrong. <laughs> like, like maybe it's not just a movie. It's, it's really, really sort of metatextual in that way.
2: It's a bit like uh, that season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, isn't it? <laughs> Where they're bringing Seinfeld back. Oh, yeah.
0: That sounds like a great thing, but I have not
2: watched that show. Great show. <laughs>
0: Man, I was, at, I, was in a, I was in a training thing today for, for my new temp, temp tutoring thing. And we were teaching them vocab, and one of the one of the mnemonics we had involved George Costanza. <laughs> and they were they were like, oh, okay. okay. And I, I turned to the other tutors and I said, didn't Seinfeld end before any of these people were born? <laughs> they were like, uh. <laughs> and they were all like, yeah, yeah. And it turns out, yeah. Oh, they, they I was like, man, I feel so old. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Nineteen ninety eight was not that long ago. Oh,
1: mm. Man,
2: that's painful. I think it was ninety seven, yeah. wasn't it?
0: Um well ninety eight was when they were they were born.
2: Oh my so, goodness.
0: Oh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's but, ridiculous.
0: So, Seinfeld ended in um yeah, May fourteenth, nineteen ninety eight, so the beginning of, of ninety eight. I
2: just realized I'm totally that guy. Actually it ended in ninety seven. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
3: You're only allowed to do that if you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if you do that. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. That's that's, that's what we would call a uh, a catchy
0: uh, or a well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right.
3: That's uh,
2: the reason uh. I know that is because that's the year I graduated from high school. Which oh, I thought you were going to say
0: catchy was the year you graduated.
3: <laughs>
2: uh.
0: Um. Paul, what about you? What have you been doing uh, recently?
1: Uh, I'm a really boring person this week, and I basically did nothing but play a very particular video game. Awesome.
0: I love these half seconds. Yeah. where
1: none of us... Um, but I, I will I will mention, um, just because it happened today, and it's really, really funny for me, um, there's, like, super, super major Reddit drama that started happening today um, because a certain subreddit got banned. And... Um, everyone just started acting super immaturely, and it's just the most funny thing, just watching all these, like, small uh, things unfold because of it. I saw, I saw a headline about it, but I didn't get a chance to check it out. It sort of one of those...
0: Um, it's exactly what you did. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly. It is. laughs> Very good, alright. <laughs> um, also, hello to our new listeners from <laughs> <laughs> uh Following our post yesterday on uh, our Nintendo about uh, I guess last last week we were discussing all of the games that Nintendo p- had on the DS that used the letters D and S uh, <laughs> in their title. Right. So uh, we posted an article about that, and uh, that was that was a, a front page Reddit article, I guess.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a relatively small subreddit, though. So
0: well, I mean, it's the the only Nintendo subreddit, right? No,
1: was, it, yeah. was the number anywhere near uh,
2: as many titles as uh, as games that had Super in the uh, in the title? No.
1: No, no there's no way. Okay. No. I think I think the number f- that have the uh, actual, just the letters DS next to them might have been competitive. Uh, right. But, like, there's actually, like, maybe 11 games that actually, like, tried to be clever. Right.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah. Greatest hits from that list.
1: Uh, are, I, are I think it's the, the Shamu one. Whatever that one. Shamu's Deep Sea uh, something.
3: My, I don't know. My I like uh, Justin's favorite.
1: I don't know.
0: What was your favorite? I,
3: well, your favorite is oh, Pokemon oh, Pokemon,
0: Pokemon Diamond, Diamond and, D- and a Spur <laughs> S- Pearl.
2: Spur- Spur- yeah, Spur- no, that's <laughs> the that one. Um, oh wow! Yeah. I never even made that I, connection. I'm so stupid. Yeah, <laughs> the Pokemon one. Yeah,
0: the Pokemon. I mean, like Spurl isn't a real version.
2: Well, no, the, it was Sapphire, right? Is it... Am I, wait, wait no, no, Sapphire was
0: on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah,
2: man, I just can't keep my Pokemon.
0: Horrible person. Uh, my, I I did like uh, uh, Dancing with the Stars. That was clearly <laughs> done for the <like>, purpose. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or uh, Doctor Seuss. Yeah, <laughs> there's that
1: one Doctor Seuss game. <laughs> um, yeah. I love it. There
0: was there was a uh, uh, I think I think that the best one was uh, subtitled Dangerous Sensation.
1: Yeah, I like that what one
0: was a lot. Full, what was the game? <laughs> uh, Z- Zeta Zetsu. Zitz- Zetsumi Dangerous Jisan DS, Dangerous Sensation.
2: That is right up my what, alley. Would,
0: whatever that means. Yes. Um, yeah, also, Super Black Bass, Dynamic Shot.
2: <laughs> I need to uh, look at my DS collection to see what, what other gems I've missed.
0: Yeah, there's, I mean, you can could, you could just go right down our list on
1: our, yeah. it's, a, it's
0: a news article on our website for those of our listeners who haven't seen it
1: yet.
2: Yep.
0: So uh, check check that out. And, uh, and I'm
1: sure there's like a whole bunch we missed just because the DS has like so much shovelware from the DSI store.
0: Oh yeah, I didn't count any any download-only
3: titles.
1: You know, I could probably uh, flip through my Famicom collection, uh, see how many, how many do things them, say family or computer. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I'm actually I'm really disappointed at the number of games that uh, tried to use the word dual. Uh, in their name, or like duo or something like that. There was like dual, maybe two dual of them. Strike. Yeah, there's, there's like a dual strike. Uh, I think there's like a full metal alchemy dual symphony or something like that. Um, but like that was kind of it.
0: So, I gave uh, major props to the ones that didn't do that, but incorporated the letters D and S directly into their title.
3: Oh, yeah. Like, uh,
0: crosswords that had the D and the S and the word crosswords highlighted.
3: Oh, I thought you were just goofing around with that
0: one. No. Or, uh, Dark Swords, I think, was one.
2: Uh, Dark Swords. There's a Mindstorm.
0: Oh yeah, Mindstorms was, uh, yeah. was another one. Anyway, so don't ask, yeah, uh, that, don't
2: ask why I have this uh, in my collection here, but um, I have a D, uh, I have in my person a <laughs> uh, Dora the Explorer. Uh, Dora <laughs> saves the mermaids. That's a missed opportunity. That is,
0: that is on the list. It, it does oh, have it's Dora won saves. the uh,
1: honorable we, Yeah, we
0: had uh, we had honorable mentions so, where they kind of fit.
1: Yeah, I had t- that one because both uh, like there are two Dora the Explorer games that both were Dora saves something. And it felt
0: like
1: this had to be on purpose. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
2: okay, I gotta look at the list right now. Hold on, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, Dragon Sword. My goodness,
0: there's a lot. Yeah, it's a it's like a, a a not a small but a reasonable list. So so why don't we? Clearly, we want to talk about games, <laughs> uh, but but we still have Bill to get through for the half. Yeah, uh, Bill, why don't you why don't you tell us some cool stuff that you've done recently in the past? Uh, in the past wiles oh
2: man um I, I am completely eye eyeball deep in uh in this campaign it's been uh an awesome experience you know i spend um uh most of my time you know really uh talk connecting with the audience really um you know reaching out to um you know podcasts like your, yours and um you know just really getting up there and talking about the game so that that's uh, taking up most of my time uh, but you know my my when I do have uh, spare time I've, I've actually spent a bunch of time playing um, splatoon uh, that, okay which is pretty awesome
0: perfect uh,
2: <laughs> I would be obsessed with that right now but you know the, the a uh, my son took it over and <laughs> uh, right, I've played course. about an hour and a half and then uh, my six-year-old son grabbed the controller and he's already like level 10 or, or whatever and um, uh, but no, brilliant game. I think it's fantastic. Uh, beyond that, a little bit of I actually had my first Twitch uh, stream um, a couple of days ago. Uh, we sat down. I sat down with a bunch of friends and my wife, who's the writer and producer on, on Perception, and we played Five Nights at Freddy's. Which I was. I'm pretty late to that party. Obviously, I I, um, I played it maybe a month or two ago. You know, for a couple of nights, and it, it freaked me the f out. And <laughs> I said, at some point, I'll come back to this. And and I figured. Uh, you know, give it a shot for a Twitch stream, and so that was a lot of fun, and definitely a lot of, yeah, it's one of those games that, you know, you kind of, as a designer, I kind of bash my head against the, the you know, the, the wall and say, like, what the hell, why, why didn't I think of this, you know? It's, <laughs> it's just such a simple and pure design. It's got,
0: like, three buttons.
2: Yeah. And like, I mean, there's practically no animations in it. There's, like, it is just so, I don't want to say bare bones because that sounds negative, but it is so focused. Um, and so tight that it's just one of those games. I think it's a game changer. I think it's one of those titles that makes people say, like, huh, you know, this, this is a movie coming out. I had heard that. I, uh, I'm curious, huh. I'm curious when, I, don't, I didn't see who was attached it's, to it or anything like that. It's
0: just gonna be two hours of one single camera sh- held <laughs> in the same position. <laughs> <laughs> is this
1: something that I should
0: play? No. It, I, mean, I think like, it's something you should, like, watch a couple minutes. Like, right, yeah. Not, I, 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 the, I, I don't actually think I don't think it's actually a very good game. I think it's an interesting piece of design.
2: Sure. Mm. Yeah, but it, it's not the kind of thing where it's like, oh, I'm having so much fun playing. It, it, it's an exp- more of an experience, um, yeah. mm. and uh, it's definitely one of those titles that is very like watchable and and and, it, and again, you get a few friends together and and you sort of pass around the keyboard and mouse. Um, it's it, it's it's definitely an experience worth
3: checking out for sure. But I hear what you're yeah. saying, that it's not the kind of thing where it's not, uh, you know, like... Uh, it's not, not something a must- you, you do to wind down after a, a long day.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. Yeah, I'd say if you want, like, if you want to take a game that is a game that you would play like that, you could go Amnesia. Right. But if you're looking just for an interesting thing... I, I, I heard that the third one is uh apparently, like, much more mechanically complex.
3: Oh, that'd be cool. Is yeah. it? Yeah.
2: Huh. I
0: don't, I don't know. I haven't played it. Three, I,
3: three nights at Freddy's. <laughs>
2: yeah, you'd
0: think that after multiple people get murdered at this place every night, they would shut it down. And I guess that's the plot of the third one. <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah, you're out of business.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh,
3: I don't know. The much, they're all messer. set on the loose.
0: No, I think it's set in like a museum, many years in the future, that acquired the <laughs> the the mechanic sort of like. Good. The
2: yeah. Smithsonian
0: would acquire the original Chuck E. Cheese guys, I guess, if they they probably will if they haven't.
2: What could possibly? That seems like off. I think they. Were.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk about some games then. Let's go to the game section. Man, that took. Uh, I guess we started a little late. so I was going to say that took exactly the right amount of time, but no, it didn't. Reverse, let's go, or? reverse order or? No, let's go reverse order. Bill, yep. you said you've been playing stuff. Other than Five Nights at Freddy's or Splatoon, are there any games that you want to talk about that aren't your game?
2: Yeah, well, I, I yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to cheat here. Um, <laughs> so I will say that I'm uh, I'm really frustrated that I don't have a giant chunk of time to uh, dive into Witcher 3. Um, <laughs> it really I look at all all my feeds and I have everyone having yep. the time of their lives and, and uh, I can't do that.
1: <laughs> but at the
2: same time, um, I, I'm also I've, I've played enough RPGs to know that you know again you can't sit down with you know a mere two hours and, and expect to, to enjoy the experience. You know, I think I don't know what it is with RPGs, but you know it, it takes you got to get over that initial hump, that initial what two, three, four hours. I don't know if that's the case with The Witcher Three, but um, so I want to make sure that I'm not going to play for a couple hours and then go, you know, get distracted by a million, a million, other things, the campaign, all that sort of stuff, and then come back and forget everything, you know, forget all the mechanics, mm-hmm. all that control. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, that drives me nuts. So when I have enough time, we'll get into that. Um, but, you know, uh, a few buddies of mine, uh, from Irrational, they, they, uh, they they, they just released the Magic Circle. Uh, do you guys play that?
0: Uh, is is that the one where you're making a game? Yes,
2: absolutely. Okay. Um, yes,
0: uh, I haven't played it, but I know I know about it. I would like to play it.
2: It is completely without the fourth wall. Um, and yeah. it, you know, it, it's just again an, an experience. There's some really, really sleek things that they do both with the story, with uh, a lot of the aesthetic. Uh, I think the interface, in particular, the UI, uh, like you can essentially instantiate or transform, if you find an enemy, you can, like, kind of sort of point at it and then, like, select from a very retro-style uh, sort of programming list, uh, essentially reprogram the game and, and change it. Um, so it's, it's a very outside the box, very, um, you know, uh, breaking the fourth wall um, shamelessly. But it is, it, it's really, uh, you know, I, I kind of didn't really know what to, to expect going in. And, you know, I think uh, Jordan and Stephen and, and the, the the guys over there at um, – I can't even think of the name of the company right now. Jeez. <laughs> they, they've done a really great job, so. Some question. Yeah, yeah well. Wow. Um, so – and then lots of um, – You know, honestly, a lot of my gaming time right now is spent playing uh, with my family because I'm trying to combine my (laughs) uh, uh, multitask as much as I can, and, and, uh, you know, my my two sons are are huge into games. So I've actually spent a lot of time playing Mario Galaxy 2 on the Hmm. Wii U, um, which, frankly, I never got through all the way when it first came out. And and so, you know, being able to see some of the... I I don't think I really had an appreciation for it when it came out, but looking at this sort of level design... Uh, work that they did is really fantastic.
0: I think both of those games. Like, it's so clear that the second game is just the stuff that they didn't put in the first game. yeah
3: uh... <laughs> Super Mario Galaxy New Vegas, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> Super Mario Galaxy Odst, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, right. That was the feeling I got when it first came out. Absolutely, um, and I think that was part of the reason I didn't like because I'm a
3: huge.
2: Nintendo fan. I like uh, you know, everything that they well, not everything, but most everything they release. I, I dive into. I, I also played Mario Party 10,
1: which you know, frankly, mm, not so much. Mm. Um, yeah, again with the kids.
0: I considered it. It, it was it
1: was like um, really advertised as like a game changer for Mario parties. Oof!
0: I heard that it actually wasn't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> which is know, the disappointing
0: part.
2: Yeah. It, it, it it's surprising to me that. You know, I mean, it's the same problem that they've had all along. It's just so much of it is spent, so much of the game is spent, um, you know, watching. Watching. Yeah, watching, exactly. And then the, the mini games are fun, you know. Like, I think if they stretch right. them out and let, let you actually play them some more, um, it's just there's so much, uh, um, preface there, you know.
0: I, so, but don't they do the thing where now everybody moves as one
2: yes. thing? Yes,
0: correct. Yeah, I actually. Preferred everybody moving as their own because like I I like board games and I was like oh but well, this that's just how a board game works right.
2: that's
1: right. how a video game works right, yeah but I, I feel like the board game video game thing doesn't necessarily uh, translate super well uh, for yeah most players. orange
3: juice one hundred percent
1: so yeah a video game board game
3: video game
0: you don't want to make a really good video game
3: Arkham Horror. Ooh.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. I think that would it. actually work way better as a video game than as a board game.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, like, the best sessions of Arkham Horror that we've had are where one person plays as the AI and runs yep. the entire game, right? Right,
2: yeah. And,
0: and then it's great.
2: Absolutely. We, uh, the one... Actually, I've only played it once, in the one campaign I, I, I had, uh, I was actually with some, some, uh, Irrational folks. Um, like, it was one of the <laughs> better success stories I've ever had in, 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 in tabletop gaming. It was, uh, like, down to I think one last person one last survivor uh, and like total Hail Mary uh, I, I don't remember all the specifics this is a couple of years years ago but struck down because it was like last last chance absolutely like shot in the dark uh,
0: we've we've definitely been there several oh, times yeah. yeah.
2: Hey, so, <laughs> we played it a lot so they uh, is, yeah, it, is, I mean know. again I've only played it once I is mean is it that well balanced or is it just like was I just really lucky?
0: You lose, I would say you lose probably 60% of the games outright.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, you know, given the theming, totally makes yeah. sense. And then, like, in um, 10% of your games, you actually seem like you're going to lose by waking up the Elder God and just, like, will.
0: And then you win at pull the very out a miracle.
1: end. Yeah, I'd,
0: I'd say maybe 40% you win, and then 10% of those are, like, those desperation wins. Mm. Which are the
3: most satisfying. Yep. There's a, uh, uh, a version of Flux, the card game. Called, uh, Cthulhu Flux, and the goal is to not wake up the Elder Gods and prevent that from happening. But there's, uh, one card in the game that you can play as a, at, at interrupt speed, um, that says that if the Elder Gods are woken, uh, you actually win because you're on their side instead.
0: Arkham Horror has one of those. Uh, yeah, like it is really, really hard to pull off, but it's just like you win the game and all the other players lose.
3: Which is a real dick move. <laughs> Team-based game. Well, uh, so every time I try to play Arkham Horror, I instead play uh, Betrayal, it has on the hill, which is, every, every game is that. The one dude betrays everybody else. I'm so, right. I'm so oh.
2: disappointed in myself. This is my mark of shame. I, I, I've had that for, like, five years, and I've never played it. Oh, That is a dude, game that
0: is incredibly poorly balanced. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but almost that's not the really point. point.
0: So. Right, yeah, yeah like, exactly. like stuff is... J- the way that it works is just—it's so random that it doesn't—it like, doesn't even matter. Yeah. It's more about the experience of the story that you're having than yeah, who wins or loses. But yeah, the, oh, Paul, remember that one Arkham Horror game we had where we were just incredibly like we had just lost the game, and it was clear. And the the Elder One woke up, and his first attack was to run away, and you win the game.
1: Oh yeah, that was so stupid. <laughs>
0: Because we have all of the expansions for it. Nice. Um, and the, one of those expansions adds, instead of just fighting the Elder, what if you add, like, a normal combat? You draw from a deck to say what he does and then what you do. Uh, and and his card was just, he looks at you and goes, eh, and flies away. Oh. And, and never bothers anybody ever again.
2: <laughs> Happy ending. Nice. I like that. <laughs>
0: so it was, oh, yeah, it was like, you win, but at a, at a penalty of minus 12 points. But like we weren't keeping score, so whatever.
2: Yeah, it's just like Mario Party.
1: Yep.
2: <laughs> Get the magical stars at the end. Um, you know, total aside here. Actually, I just remembered. I'm, I'm on my desk here. I have a copy of Fun Employed. I just that just came in the mail a couple days ago, and I haven't had the chance to play it. Um, it was a Kickstarter. Um, I swear I don't know these people. Um, Kickstarter <laughs> in the past, like six months or whatever, and it just arrived. Have you guys heard of it?
0: Um, that was, I, I know, it's the game where you, like, apply for jobs, yeah, right? Exactly. It's a yeah. about job applications. It's right.
2: It says, the party game of real jobs and unreal qualifications. Um, yeah, so I'm curious to see how that is, actually. Uh,
1: oh, I'll cool. play
2: it next game night. Sorry. Yeah. Well, uh, report back,
1: yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that actually um, just reminds me of a game that I've, um, want to play just because it looks really fun. Um, but have any of you seen uh, Tabletop Deathmatch?
3: No. No. Uh,
1: so Tabletop Deathmatch is a competition run by the people at Cards Against Humanities uh, where they take a whole bunch of uh, board game ideas, um, um, get and their, the like, humanities. The humanities, yes. They just really hate social sciences and arts, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, they have a competition uh, where they uh, take all these uh, board games, uh, get them, uh, get the uh, creators to uh, prototype them and kind of figure out, like, which of them seems the most promising or something like that. And um, I'm going to sort of spoil uh, who wins. But, I mean, it's still worth the watch just because it shows up all these, like, really neat board game ideas. Uh, but the winner was this game called Bad Detectives. Um, and it basically, it's like a tableau building game in which you are, you and your friends are all a bunch of really bad detectives, you don't know what you're doing, but you have this job, and so you're trying to solve a crime, and you're terrible, so you don't really know how the crime happened. so you're just going to make up things by being as genre-savvy as you can be.
0: Oh, so it's like uh Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. Okay. Kind, kind of. Kind of.
1: <laughs> it, it's it's a little bit, it's like, uh, yeah, the tableau makes things very interesting. Um, I, I recommend uh, watching the video... Um, to, like, to it's see, on the um,
0: Cards Against Humanity website. I think, I don't remember. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a, a game where you it doesn't come with a board or anything, but you buy the box and it's got, like, a phone book in it and a bunch, uh, like, some a couple of booklets and a map of London and a bunch of newspapers. And the, the idea is that you are the assistants to Sherlock Holmes and... You get a case, and you have to figure out, based on the details they give you, okay, I'm going to look up this person in the phone book to find out where they live, and then you say, I'm going to walk here, and you look in the little book that tells you what happens when you go there, and you try to see how many moves it takes you to solve the case, and then you call in Sherlock Holmes, who has already solved it, and you see if you did it in fewer moves than him, because he has always already solved it. It's just trying to beat him.
1: Mm.
0: But it is—it is sort of like a, a, a similar concept. It sounds like only in that case, maybe you are actually bad at solving mysteries. <laughs> huh. Did,
2: did yeah. any of you play? Um, did any of you play Crimes and Punishment? No, no. no? Yeah, did, um, I played Crimes yeah, Punishment. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, good stuff. So, yeah, just uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an adventure game uh, freak, and, and uh, so I do play most of the Sherlock Holmes games. Um, this one was actually pretty good, the most recent one. Good stuff.
0: Most recent Sherlock Holmes game, or the most recent crime and punishment game?
2: Sorry, uh, Sherlock Holmes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's, 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 I think worth, I don't know, if you're into, to, to Holmes, I think it's, it's worth checking out.
0: What was that, the, the Testament of Sherlock Holmes, is the new, or Crimes and Punishments? Yeah, sorry, Sherlock Holmes,
3: Crimes and Punishments.
0: Okay, okay, I, I thought that... I was not clear that Clams and Punishments was a Sherlock Holmes game.
3: Clams yeah. and punishments. <laughs> Clams and
0: punishments. <laughs> <laughs> Splatoon two. Clams and punishment. <laughs> Man, the clam, the clam guy in Splatoon.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, cool. Have you have you played any other games, or is that is that about it for you?
2: Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think because I, I always forget. Um, honestly, for the past couple of weeks, not so much. Unfortunately, um. Got a lot on the plate, a lot on the backlog, but for now, not, uh, that's pretty much it.
0: All right. Uh, well then, Paul, you're up.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so as I said earlier, I didn't really do much this week except do one thing, which is just play a lot of Splatoon. Um, <laughs> because I'm just so in love with this game, it is just everything that I've ever wanted out of a, uh, a shooter, essentially. It's like... I, it's got the hats from TF2. Yeah, it's got like all... like <laughs> it's, it's like playing TF2... But with Super Mario Sunshine, uh, I would you know, uh, I would go out and buy a
3: Wii U right now if I could play split screen with Maggie. Uh,
1: technically, mm. you can play together split screen, um, but it's you can only play one on one, and it's not the same as playing right. online and the, at all. The second
3: player needs uh, to play with five different controllers duct to taped to yeah, together.
1: You, you just need the uh, <laughs> Pro controller. And you just duct tape the uh, a remote to it.
3: No, you don't. You don't actually need the Pro Controller. I looked. Oh,
0: um, you can have use if you have a regular Wiimote remote with the classic controller. That is perfectly fine. okay.
1: Right, but I mean, like, regardless, you need at least a second controller on top of the remote in order to make it work.
0: No, I think you need the Wii Motion Plus Pro or, or the classic Wiis. controller or the Pro Controller. Okay. Because the, 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 what is it, the, the motion plus one they use to mimic the motion control controls that no one likes?
1: Oh, actually, um, well, it depends. If you're, if you have never played a dual stick shooter before, uh, the motion controls will probably be easier for you. But if you've played a reasonable amount of, like, Halo, Call of Duty, or whatever, like, it'll just get really grating to try to use motion controls when you're really used to dual sticks. Um, but I mean, luckily, both is an option, mm-hmm. sort of. So it's it ends up being fine. Um, but yeah, I've uh, I've played a lot. I'm only up to level 19 now. I thought I get to 20 by this point, but <laughs> I kind of slowed down towards the end. Um, uh, but I've I've actually just been like trying out more and more weapons because before I was pretty much only using the aerospray spray RG because it just seems like the most powerful weapon because everyone who's using it just scores super high. And it still is definitely the highest scoring weapon per game for me, but I've been able to use a lot of other weapons effectively. Um, like even the ones I thought were just like completely trash when I first started the game. So this has just been a really interesting experience of just like how uh, deep the game actually feels with its weapon
3: selection because... no still more interesting weapon design than uh, Borderlands. <laughs> I don't know,
1: man. Borderlands had that sweet screaming weapon that yeah. tells you when it's reloading. Oh, that was great.
3: And it tells everyone else when I you're had, reloading too. I had no idea what was happening in Borderlands. It's like, oh man, this this has three arrows going up, but one arrow going down, but the arrow going down has a bigger number beside it. Uh, I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh didn't didn't Borderlands have a billion guns and Borderlands 2 have a billionaire guns? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> something like cool. that. Yeah, the, the um, other thing about Splatoon is it, it's
2: um, it, it's got shades of. I feel like it's got little bits of Tony Hawk in there too.
0: Oh the yeah, as, I mean aesthetically, well, you, I mean, you collect yeah, the VHS tapes? They've,
1: they've got the skate park, uh, but I mean actually, but like I, the swimming does kind of remind me of uh, playing uh, Tony Hawk a little bit, just because the way that you kind of just like slide around and arc right. through the air as you jump. And if just if, like, everything about the game just feels really smooth and good. And I
0: just think this game originally starred tofu. Yeah,
1: it's amazing. Wait, what? There... Yeah, in, in
0: like early pre-alpha, this game <laughs> starred sentient blocks of tofu instead of squids.
2: Yeah. Were you like uh, surfing along waves of vomit? I don't. <laughs> oh, what was the what was the. Uh, mechanic for for moving around
1: was I guess there was art, art, art. they just, just yeah there was no, they was block tofu and they yeah. had a little nub at the front that was, uh, said that it was, it was like that bread face. game that early access
3: green light bread game where you play as bread. this <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just me right? This isn't something. Yeah yeah, no, it's,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh you mean like you mean like mountain the game where you play as a mountain.
2: <laughs> Legitimately cannot tell if I'm being trolled right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no those are both things.
1: Nope. Wow. Alright. I will. Uh, <laughs> the indie game world is actually very interesting sometimes. <laughs> no nope. kidding.
0: It really crosses over into the, the art world at this point, though. <laughs> yeah. oh. Mountain is a highly interactive experience
3: <laughs> into Bizarre World. Yeah. Does Mountain actually accept any inputs? Does it recognize anything that you feed it?
1: Can't uh, you, just, can you, can it you does spin it.
3: around? Yeah, you can a- rotate around the mountain. Yeah, I think you can
0: grow, maybe. <laughs> Very
3: sure,
1: at a rate of one second per second. Sure. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess that's technically accurate. Can, I
0: know you can you can zoom in and out. Right. Um. All right. There. there okay. So. Okay. The Verge tells me that there is a settings menu to tweak the controls, but the only option is nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this actually this actually reminds me. Um, did I ever tell you that I actually? Uh, sort of made Mountain as a uh, computer science project uh, in my junior year.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I was, I was learning Unity, and um, as a project, it was just I was just, like, doing a thing where I'd made a procedurally generated uh, island, and effectively it plays a lot like Mountain.
0: Yeah, there's no interactive features in Mountain, uh, with the Mountain itself. It's just, like, changing camera angles. Right. Man yeah.
1: asks. It, it shows it you that everything a
0: big... is a game.
3: What? Is it what? Is it just, a, like, if you play well, twice, it's not just a video,
0: because you can change the camera angle.
3: Okay, right. But is it just, like, is it predetermined? I don't know. Or is it, like, will, will it be different every time you're running?
0: I mean, it's like a screensaver, right? Yeah. That's how, that's... So, Mountain, more than anything, shows us that everything in the world is a video game, including this sentence.
1: Um... <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, oh I'm well. No wait, No. 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 It's that's uh, Justin. That cannot be a video game. Do you know why?
0: Oh, because it doesn't have a no, no, fail fin-
1: no state. I hate you. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, last night uh, we played uh, some StarCraft II arcade for the first time in
0: oh yeah month, we did
1: and that was actually pretty Star- good.
0: Yeah, everyone had a great time
1: <laughs> except for when StarCraft II crashed.
0: Yeah, we played a we played a game in StarCraft II that put more units on the screen than anyone other than my computer could handle. Which meant that everybody it. just stared at a screensaver for a long time.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a bit generous to call a screensaver, considering the screen changed every, like, 40 seconds.
0: Yeah, it was one frame per minute.
1: Go big or go home. I like it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was good. <laughs> uh, I didn't win a single one of those games, either. I, 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 I won two bad. of
3: them. I, fe- I felt good. Wait, um, you guys went on and played more after that? Well,
0: yeah, we, we played two more games. Well,
1: we yeah somehow the first one ended really quickly.
0: Yeah, we we played one in like ten minutes. Yeah,
1: mm.
0: and then we played another one in maybe like half an hour. Yeah, yeah no, no, sorry, that,
1: that one, but that one I got bored and world. failed there. That was like an hour long, man.
0: You didn't you didn't stay around for everybody else? Like learned the strategies and got real into it. Yeah. it <laughs> so is it is that all, Paul?
1: Um, is, that, is that it for you? I, I ordered a uh, Pac Man amiibo because okay. It just it just won't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been there. Yeah, I'm actually running out... Like, I'm placing all of my Amiibos in front of the TV right now, and I'm running I'm out to, uh, of room in front of the TV.
3: I'm able to remain disdainful because I don't have a Wii U. But you do own a 3DS, yeah, th-
1: right? You do own a 3DS. Um, uh, no. You could be having this problem right now.
0: <laughs> Speaking of with what games, uh, Super Smash Bros. Don't own it.
1: Um... um Pokemon, eventually, probably?
0: Yeah, Pokemon, inevitably. <laughs> they, they, they have, they have space for her they, every
1: yeah, Pokemon.
0: Have, yeah, somebody somebody hacked open an amiibo and looked at the NFC data. There are just spaces in that data for every Pokemon.
3: Oh, yeah. no.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: all right, well, I'll buy a Sableye when it comes
1: out, uh, but that's all. Uh-huh. What, no love for Garchomp? Ugh. Yeah. No, no love for no love for Vanillix? <laughs> oh, you're, Is that
0: a real Pokemon?
1: <laughs> it's ice cream Pokemon. It's one of the oh, it's right, my go-to right, right. for really weird Pokemon designs. I don't it's, know.
0: Uh,
1: you've seen oh, that actually of also uh, Chandelier.
0: Oh yeah, the Pokemon that is a chandelier. Yeah. Sure, I mean they're like crazy bones, right? They just got a big one of everything.
1: Exactly. Mm. But you can, you, did you want one of a lawnmower? Because you can get a lawnmower. Is there? Yeah. yeah like
2: actually. Uh, question. Have they all been caught yet?
0: Oh, they must. Like, some... I mean, people have hit the level cap in Splatoon on right. the first well, day. Well,
1: basically, if you're in Japan, it is possible to get all the Pokemon. If you're in the U.S., it is not, unless uh, you get lucky through trades.
0: I completed the Pokedex on the Game Boy Advance. It was very... Right. Profitable.
1: I mean, for... I'm. Um, thinking latest generation right now, because certain Pokemon cannot be obtained except through... The number
0: formats. of Pokemon since then has more than doubled.
1: It's more than tripled, actually. I have not, not seen it. Really. The it's like actually, 760 it's cool. right now. Oh.
0: Th- I couldn't even name them
2: all. Are they? You? No.
0: There was a time when I could.
2: All of them? Really?
0: Yeah, I could name probably the original... 150. Yeah. Really? And then probably the next 150, and then the ones that came out in Ruby and Sapphire because I completed the Pokedex in that one, so I saw
1: them. all. Oh wait, what's that? What's that website that has all those like timed quizzes? Sporacle. Can you can you do that uh, Sporacle quiz? Yeah,
0: okay, so when when you say I, when I say I can name them all, if I were to see a picture of them, I could name tell you what their name is, but I don't think right, I could generate their names off the top of my head. How, I just how, just how, my how many do you can get
1: off the top of your head?
0: Um, most of the original 150 via the Poco Wrap. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I, I actually um, I, this is a blind spot in my Nintendo fandom here. I um, I worked at Land when Pokemon was at its peak. Uh, well, I don't I, I don't know exactly when the peak was, but anyway, so you know, right around uh, the time it hit. And so, trying to interpret. From the little kids that would come in, all the butchered names that they would like, you know, there's there were, you know, what was it, seventy five initially or one hundred fifty? No, one hundred fifty one. Okay, right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so when they first and and you know they'd come in and ask tips for how to collect or how to find whatever that you know one of the yeah, and I, I would just, I would sit there for like. Ten minutes of time staring children in the eyes and be like, I, I, I'm sorry, I have no idea what <laughs> you are trying to ask me right now. <laughs>
0: huh.
2: And yeah, I felt really old. It was sad because I, you know, I knew every. I mean, this is Funko Land, right? And I don't know, you, you guys remember Funko Land, right? Yeah. Um. You know, they had uh, all of those arcades set up where the, you, all the systems they had a Sega Genesis and Nintendo a Super Nintendo, all PlayStation, sixty four, all that. And so, man, I missed out. Oh, it was the best, and and so I worked there. And most of the time at this particular store, this is before games really exploded, um, it was completely just dead, empty, like you wouldn't believe it. We'd be lucky to see two or three customers a day at most most, uh, most most days. And so I just would go through the entire library of games. I would play, you know, every single game got on the list and, and just play through them all. Um, <laughs> get paid for it. It was great. Um, you know, you, you you get everything out of the way, and it's like there is literally nothing else for me to do. I cannot dust anymore, uh, so you just play the games. And and but for some reason, Pokemon was just too much. You know, that was my uh, that was my customer causing me to get into the fetal position because I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> the games.
0: Apparently, there
1: are ten Funko
0: Lands still in operation.
3: Wow, that's more than expected. I don't need to make a time machine. I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. think
1: there are any outside the U.S. Though, are there? Now uh,
0: it says that there's one in Dayton, one in Indianapolis, a couple in Maryland, a couple in Delaware, one in New York, one in Oklahoma, one in Kentucky.
2: I'm gonna make that trip. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I prefer Babbage's personally. Oh.
1: Wow. <laughs> well, sophisticated store, right?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, you can still go to Babbage's. Right. It's called EB Games now. Yeah. It's no. called GameStop now. Yeah.
0: Nope. Nope. All right. I guess. I guess I'm up for games, huh?
3: Yes. Only if you skip
0: uh, yeah. me. Well, no, you're last,
3: because you went first. You went first.
0: No, no, I said Gord, you go first, because you ne- oh, haven't gone first in a long time.
1: Oh. I'm going to go. Okay, yeah, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Okay,
0: so, so well, I didn't play anything new, I went back to a bunch of games that I had not played in a, in a while. So I went back to uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, mm. and I played through World 3. And as I finished World 3, I was like, man, I'm having a lot of fun with this game because Retro Studios only ever makes good games. But I feel like I have about six worlds of this left in me, like, in terms of the length this game should be. I don't think Nintendo should, ma- should continue to make eight world games, just because that's what they've always done. And then I went online, and I was like, how... Uh, I mean, I've been completing the secret levels as they pop up to unlock whatever it is that i like, I was like, I don't... I wonder what collecting all these secrets does. And it says... Oh, collecting all the secrets unlocks Secret World Seven, which is three levels long. And I was like, "Oh, it actually is just six worlds." Good job, Retro Studios. You figured out exactly how long this experience needed to be and hit it. Cool. Um, I also yeah, that game like there's nothing new in that game in terms of gameplay for the, for the Donkey Kong franchise, but it's just incredibly polished. That's so hard. Uh, mm,
3: uh, maybe, okay, maybe I'm just terrible at. <laughs> uh, so Justin uh, enjoys. Dark Souls. Uh, yeah, okay. that was the other game that I played this week. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's uh, I, went, I went back to Dark Souls 2.
0: I don't think Dark Souls is a difficult game. I think that it's a a confusing game, but once you figure it out, like once you f- understand what's going on and how you're supposed to approach it, it's just you do it. Like I think that I Want to Be the Guy is a is a similar experience, right? Like, you, once you know what's going on, you, sure. you just can... It, it it.
3: It's constantly throwing things at you that can instantly kill you with no warning.
0: Yeah, Dark Souls doesn't do that. But, like, I thought Donkey Kong Country Returns was harder than Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Especially the, the like, the first secret level in that game was just... I died 150, 200 times. It was, it was no clue what was going on. They
3: didn't give you the map that makes you invincible.
0: They do, but you, I just didn't. I didn't take it. I, I just, I just kept trying. And then there was another level where you have to fly through a cave full of bats that I probably died an equal number of times on. I think that this one is much
3: gentler. Man, bats are the water level of the Monster Kingdom.
0: It, <laughs> had, a, it had amazing uh, music in that level too, and I'm, I think that that was the Donkey Kong track that they ported into Super Smash Brothers this time around. And I was real happy about that. But yeah, so I, I, I went back to Dark Souls 2, which I had stepped away from for a while. I had uh, reached a depressing point of the game, which was, oh, this is a castle floating in a sea of lava. Unlike d- the rest of Dark Souls, this doesn't feel like it's a place in the world. This feels like a video game level. Mm. And so I had I, gotten maybe halfway through it and just been like, I'm not interested in playing this anymore. So I went back to it. I beat the boss at the end, uh, the old Iron King. And I, I had read that this guy was in the game. I didn't know anything about it that his name was Old Iron King. So I was expecting like maybe a king made out of iron. Or an old dune with a dude with an iron crown. Uh, but I got to where this guy is. I didn't know this is where he is, but it was just a, a pathway leading down to a small platform in a sea of lava. And I figured, oh, I guess this is the end because this is a dead end and there's a boss door here. So there's gonna be a fight behind it. I went through and there was nothing there, and then I just a ballrog comes out of the lava. Uh, it's an old iron king. I was like, well, out of all of the things it could have been, that was probably the one I expected least. Hmm. Then I yeah, so then I went to a place where you, I climbed down the well in the, the center of the main town and went to a really cool level where it was. Did you a so, vampire too, down there? No. There's too much, like, that it just goes. It just keeps going forever. Did you, did, I know the two of you regulars haven't played the first Dark Souls. Bill, did you play Dark Souls 1 at all?
2: Uh, very little. Um, you know, I, I think I probably played an hour, and then what? Like, okay. A lot of Irrational folks at the time when it came out were obsessed with it, so I watched a bunch of it, but, um, okay. you know, it was one of those things where um, I, I played a lot more uh, Demon Souls uh, okay. Than Dark Souls, but I'm, I'm familiar. Haven't played two. I have a brand new copy. I haven't even opened up because I'm a chump like that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things where like I'll get to it eventually, but I don't have time for the, the gluttony. <laughs> I'm not not that much of a glutton uh, for punishment, I guess I should say.
0: So did you, if you played Demon's Souls, did you get to three two? No. Okay. Did you see, if you were watching somebody play Dark Souls, did you see Blight Town?
2: It sounds familiar. I don't think I saw it, though. It's like a
0: shanty town in the dark full of poison.
2: Yeah, okay. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad. I, okay. some...
0: It was yep. the worst thing.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, this is this, is this game's Blight Town. Mm. But whereas Blight Town was just full of dudes shooting at you with incredibly lethal, toxic darts from the darkness where you couldn't see them, and giant monsters that would kill you with one swing of their club or knock you off of the shanty into the That would just kill you. Uh, This is this area is almost devoid of enemies and what enemies there are 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 relatively weak, but it is just pitch black, which is really cool. It's kind of like being blind. Uh, (laughs) So but there are there are torch sconces all over. And it's incredibly satisfying to go through the level and light every single one of those torches. Because if you die, that's permanent progress that you've made, and you can then not have your torch out for that and use your shield, which is uh, if you're if you're a shield baby like me and still use the shield to protect yourself, because you're not good enough at reading enemy movements yet. <laughs> uh, then yeah, it, so unlike the other, I didn't, I haven't gotten to the the poison level in Demon Souls yet, but after B- I, I think they really figured out how to capture this sort of environment in this game, and the incredible satisfaction of progression through this in- environment, and I guess it only took them three tries.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, uh, well, I, I'm definitely curious to see how that works out, but um, serious question, has anyone ever had a good experience uh, being poisoned in a game? Or in real life, for that matter. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, whenever the poison thing is introduced, I'm always like, oh, God, really? Just, I mean, am I being am I being uh, uh, So I, I
0: actually like, I like how the poison mechanic in Dark Souls works mm-hmm. because it is incredibly transparent mm-hmm. and you can actively mitigate it before, I don't know how familiar you are with how it works, but um, are, do, are you, I know Gordon Paul, you don't know, right? No. Okay, so what happens is, and this is not true of just poison, but also of, like, curse and other status ailments. Right. So, uh, bleed is another one. So, your armor, all of your gear has resistance to bleed or poison, and so when you get hit with an attack that can apply one of these status ailments, a little bar on your screen pops up, and it fills up a certain amount, mm-hmm. and immediately starts to drop. It starts to unfill, and so, if you can get away from whatever is doing that to you, you will not be poisoned. It's only it only affects you if that bar fills up. Right. So you can look. So if you know that there's poison, you can look through all the gear you've gathered, and say, okay, all of this gear has incredible poison resist, and just like walk through that swamp. And if you accidentally there's thir- and because it, it's not an instant thing, there is room for error. So I, I like I think it's an incredibly satisfying mechanic most of the time. What's not satisfying is when you get hit with something, and it's just such a strong poison that you have no—like it just automatically fills up that bar mm. all the way. Um, and ideally, I guess that should never happen because you should know sure. after the first time, or by looking at the fact that this area is bright green. Uh,
2: that, that I gotta say that that probably does sound like the the best approach uh, to, to that sort of status that I've heard. Uh, I just I it just drives me bananas running around with that... Losing health? Yeah. We'll yeah just, I
0: don't, just Poison doesn't last very long in this game. Sure. It lasts maybe, like, 15 right. seconds.
2: It's, it's not Pokemon. It's to kill you.
0: It's enough to kill you if you don't heal, or if you don't remove it. But, like, I will... I, I play a Cleric, so I will wait until my health is, like, seven-eighths full, and then cast a healing spell, okay. and then I'll, it will have worn off before I before my health drops again. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the only... Oh, and then, the, uh, speaking of the 3DS, uh, today, in anticipation of E3... Uh, Nintendo sprung a leak and leaked uh, a new Zelda game accident trailer. Oops! I don't know where it came from, but it is now on the internet. Yep. Oh,
3: uh, is this the Zelda Wii U? Does it look as good? Oh, no, Zelda it? Zelda 3ds. Oh, right. I guess that's it's what you led with. Hy-
0: Hyrule Warriors 3ds. Oh,
3: man, have to play Hyrule Warriors. Do you like Dynasty warriors? I've never played it.
1: Do you like uh mindlessly hitting things till they die? Not over much. you like, hitting, like, a million things mindlessly until they die.
3: I like using yeah, my hookshot to try to get to places where the developers didn't want no, me to no, go. No, it's not, it's, it's, it's there's, not there's, actually it's a Zelda only the game. Zelda. Yeah. I think that this is not the game for me.
0: Yeah, it is a game where you play as a superhero in a sea of ants. <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much. Pretty
0: much. A, million, a million mooks run at you, and you swing your sword, and they all go flying at once. And you do that
1: a million times, and then the game is over.
3: Hmm.
1: And uh, there's some boss fights in between. Yeah, the boss fights are interesting. The boss fights are, like, uh, a lot of them were uh, ports from I liked, others on the boss fights.
0: I liked the twist in the middle where suddenly you play as Ganondorf and do his campaign. Yeah, that was great. Turns out Ganondorf is just way better than everyone else. Oh, Who knew? Yeah.
3: yeah, but he's really slow. He's got, like, high <laughs> no, damage output, but he's not not slow. In,
0: not in this no, game. Yeah, he no,
3: he's just as fast as And, else. you know, everyone really knows that he's just a, a, a Mewtwo reskin.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, have to, have to talk <laughs> no, he's clearly a new to reskin. He does okay, that energy ball thing and everything.
0: Anyway, this uh, the Hyrule Warriors on the 3DS. It's got new characters. I guess the the trailer was very trailery, which means you saw almost nothing.
1: Um, you got to see all the characters, that the Wind were in the game. Waker characters, or, yeah, or, a lot of the Wind Waker characters. I, uh,
0: I was kind of, I, I was excited that they showed the King of Red Lions as a playable character. <laughs>
3: sort of like he just jump around as a boat. A boat.
0: Yeah, he is a boat.
3: Really?
2: Oh, man. Yeah.
3: Awesome. He is a, he's got but, a human form, though. Why would he play in boat form?
0: He does both. He shifts
2: back and forth. Oh, okay. That's okay. You know, was, he'll, like, a, he'll,
0: like, run around, and then he'll transform into a boat and jump up and just land on <laughs>
2: I, I was about to say that the uh, the, uh, um, the Wii U version does a really good job with the fan service, and I think that is taking it to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's
0: yeah. great. And if you own the Wii U version, you can transfer the new characters from the 3DS version back into the Wii U version and play them, I guess. So, like, the King of Red Lions will be in HD on the Wii U, I I suppose. Sold. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) They showed uh, Tetra picking up a golden ocarina, and then, I don't know.
2: Hell breaks loose. I guess
0: that's, yeah, something's supposed to happen. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for E3's uh, Nintendo conference. Uh, I'm not really excited for anything else at E3. Oh yeah, other than Dark Souls 3.
3: <laughs> is there really nothing else? What about Fallout 4? Uh,
0: okay, guess what? You I don't, don't care ever... about
3: Fallout 4. Uh, yeah, no. Really?
0: I would. I want them to do a Fallout in a city that I've lived in. Yeah. Because the only thing that would appeal to me in a Fallout wait, is wait, wait, wait. Fun.
1: Wasn't one the Fallout in Philadelphia? It, no.
3: It did not occur to me for a really long time that that the places that you were playing in were based on real places.
1: Right, right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, like, uh, land,
3: right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fallout I mean, three is
1: DC. I, I think. I think Justin, you've already gotten your uh, fill of post-apocalyptic shooters um, this year, right?
0: Right. Well, right, because I played Splinter. Exactly.
3: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh segues quite nicely. Uh, I've been playing a <laughs> Fallout Three, and I'm, I'm just going to arbitrarily decide that it's Zenimax's fault that Bethesda hasn't uh, put the effort into making this game run on modern platforms. Does it not run it, it does it absolutely does not run uh, when you are buying it it says warning not optimized for Windows 7. What about Windows 8 is it optimized for Windows 8 it absolutely not in <laughs> fact I don't <laughs> think they've even up, upgraded that up, updated that uh, notification since Windows 8 was a thing um, so I had a problem that it just would not run uh, it would I would hit play on my launcher and nothing would happen uh, and that, that turned out to be because I hadn't I, I, I don't have games through Windows Live installed. And I, I, uh, felt really, really dirty installing games for Windows Live. Um, and, uh, and then it ran, but then I had to install a community patch so that it wouldn't crash every five minutes and a, uh, a, uh, full screen windowed simulator, uh, which means mm-hmm. that I'm not actually running the executable through Steam, which feels a little weird, but I guess that's okay because there aren't any Steam achievements. Because this game was apparently made in the early '90s, but like this game wasn't that this, this game isn't that old, and also New Vegas runs fine on uh, modern platforms. Why well, I mean, is there a problem? Like, why can't the they just uh, sit a team down for a day and hammer this out? You want to know the difference between New Vegas and Fallout Three? New Vegas made money.
0: No, I mean maybe, but did Fallout Three not? I, I think that it did.
2: They did all right,
0: yeah. Yeah, they, they, yeah was, you say know, the difference is uh, our, our good friend Chris Avalon, who only worked on New Vegas, uh, and it's his it's his influence that uh, all right that yeah. saved. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I'm gonna, yeah.
3: So I yeah I'm I'm playing through again. Uh, I played uh, a great deal on the 360, um, a, a really long time ago, um, and uh, had a, had a whole lot of fun with that. Uh now I've got the Game of the Year edition, which was thirteen dollars um, on Steam during the Steam sale, uh which felt like too much when I discovered that I had to go through a whole bunch of steps. Uh, and like manual editing config files. Manually editing config files so that the game would run at all. Um, but now that I'm in, I'm I'm playing it and I'm enjoying it again. And I'm going exactly the same route as I did last time, even though uh I uh Usually lean towards trying different experiences, but small guns, huh. rifles, and uh, sniper rifles are just uh, the way that I play this game.
0: <laughs> so is that as I say? I have a friend who plays through Mass Effect trilogy like once a year, and she always plays it the identical way. Huh. Huh. So I like, is is that a thing that you, you you like to do? That you you that's the opposite of what you like to do.
3: That that's what I like to do, but I like to self-impose the restriction to get a, a broader uh, experience, but I never do. Hmm. Um, and when I hit level 30, I'm going to go the uh, almost perfect route and bring all of my uh, stats to level 9, and then I will have saved all of the, uh, the bobbleheads so that I can have a perfect
1: character across the board.
0: Mm. Yeah, the fact that that's how that works means that I'm never getting enjoyment. Have, have that you uh,
1: killed every single person in Fallout Three yet? <laughs> no, I haven't.
2: That's well, also not
1: not the way that I like to play.
2: What happened with Megaton? What, what uh, that's a real
3: litmus test. What'd you do there? I I disarmed the bomb as soon as I possibly could. Oh oh, <laughs> it got it <laughs> up
1: kill everyone. Did, nope, so yeah. how, do they fiction, you how do they
2: fictionalize sh- uh, them? The the people living
3: under that bomb was there some religious sort of zealotry? Yeah, right they there? worship. Okay, it. all right, sorry, <laughs> just yeah, I couldn't remember. But you don't tell them that it's disarmed. They they think that it could go off at any second. I think. Excuse me. So they're they're perfectly happy in their little happy land.
0: So and if also you shoot no one, the bomb? Does it explode?
3: I don't think so. No, it's, it's pretty stable. It's a pretty big piece of, like, it's, it's terrain, it's not just...
0: Yeah, I remember, but I also remember getting there one of the times I tried to play that game before I gave up and thinking, like, is this a thing that will explode if I touch it? I didn't want to because I didn't want to didn't have to go through that hassle of reloading earlier saves. Reloading your file. Yeah. But I also kind of just wanted to blow everybody up. <laughs> in a demonstrative... Uh, fireball for my dislike for that particular title.
3: Mm. Well, if you do that, um, most of those people die. I think one of them turns into a ghoul. Or maybe a uh, ghoul survives
1: or something. Several people turn to ghouls, I believe, that will haunt you as you are. Awesome. walk around the wasteland.
3: But that's the
1: only way to get the
3: ghoul mask from Tenpenny Tower, which means that all ghouls everywhere will accept you as one of their own.
1: Mm. But.
0: Apparently, three dog is oh, okay. back in the new Call yeah. of yeah, I
1: saw that tweet. Wait, didn't he? Oh, uh, I guess. What if he killed them?
0: Uh, unlike Dragon Age, there's yeah. no, there's no uh, continuity between these games.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, like yeah. there's the there's the canon. Wait, right,
0: there's narrative continuity in terms of the world, but what you do, do don't matter. You can't
3: actually change.
0: What you do don't matter, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another reason why I like Bioware much better than Bethesda.
3: What's the yeah what's, man. The canon, what's the canonical ending for Fallout Three? Is it uh,
0: purified? Water? I don't think that there. I don't think that there is one. Oh, I don't think that any of the endings are canon because they never reference them in other games, mm. as far as I know. I also don't know a lot about Fallout, so I could just be totally wrong. Yeah. Uh, right into uh, to the show, <laughs> listeners, and tell me how
3: wrong I am. <laughs> Justin, you are so so very wrong. So wrong. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's let's talk about another game that we've been nah, talking, I think we're talking good. about. Okay, right. podcast. Podcast over. Hey, everybody go yep, that was over. a good podcast. All right, so
0: so let's let's do a transition noise. All right, so so uh, Bill, you're you're making a game, as we mentioned, your game Perception. Yes, indeed. Uh, you, yeah. So before before we talk about Perception, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Deep End Games? It's more than just you, I gather. So who who are you guys and sort of where where did you all come from? You came from Bioshock, but not everybody did. So what what what's the history behind your studio?
2: Correct. Um, yeah. So uh, with, with the Deep End Games, I really wanted to. Um, honestly, the, the the company was built around the the idea uh, of or trying to build perception. So you know what I actually did was I spent. Um, as I was putting together pitches, as I was putting together the the rough concept for the game, the seed of the game, uh, I started essentially reaching out to former colleagues and friends and people who, you know, I had built a rapport with over the years. Um, People like Rob Waters, you know, the concept artist from Irrational. He'd been there since the Looking Glass days. Um, And Jim Bonney, you know, the audio audio director uh, uh, and and, um, music director on, on Bioshock Infinite. And so, you know... Oftentimes, the way I approached uh, you know the early design stages, is I, I, I list out a bunch of questions and and, uh, and sort of like try and bang through as many of them as I can, um, try and get a better sense for you know what kind of game you're building, and um, and then move into a space where you're essentially pitching the game, pitching little segments, pitching the the high level concept. And, and and so what I what I did is I, I reached out to to Rob and to, to Jim and a bunch of other uh, uh, former colleagues and, and and pitched them the game and you know. It was, initially when you're talking about okay so you're it's a game where you, you play um, a woman who's exploring this haunted mansion up in uh, you know Gloucester mass um, and uh, you're being hunted by this this evil presence and uh, the the interesting twist is that you play as a blind woman and and so initially when you pitch that you, you get this sort of like confused look and sort of like this beat. And then they kind of like get this glimmer in their eyes like, oh, okay, yeah, totally, I can see that. And, and, and so I, I, I spent a bunch of time uh, pitching people and, uh, you know, having design um, uh, kiboshes, you know, really going back and forth um, and, and trying to, to solidify uh, a lot of the concepts, um, a lot of the um, uh, core goals, and, and also just trying to, um, you know, I think for, for example, you know, I, I, I called upon Jim very, very early on because I knew that the game was going to be, uh, very much driven by, by audio. And so, you know, just really trying to tap into all those questions that we had, uh, about, you know, how, how to represent a world through sound. And, and so, you know, just really having those early discussions and then, and then branching out and, 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 being able to reach out to people like, um, Ben Johnson, who, um, you know, I had had, uh, contact with, uh, after, after I played his levels in, in Dead Space, um, I was always a big fan and I actually hunted him down on LinkedIn. This is back when I was still at Irrational, um, still working on uh very early Bioshock infinite. And I said, Hey, you know, someday it'd be great to work together. And, and so, you know, perception was a horror game. And so I had reached out to him and conveniently enough, he had, uh, you know, was just wrapping up on some, some independent projects himself. And, and so it's been an interesting project. It's, it's a little bit like the blues brothers, uh, <laughs> you know, putting the band back together. Got um, a mission from God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's been one of the more rewarding uh, parts of this process. I mean, uh, just being able to take those pitches out to people that you respect, people that you really, um, you know, have, have been close with over the years, and in some cases, people that you're you're you're, you're new. Like Hung, uh, one of our level artists, um, I, I, I hit it off with. Um, but he's pretty new to irrationally. He'd only been there for maybe a couple of years. Um, but it's one of those things where you know, you, you meet someone, you immediately kind of like, you, you connect, and, and, and there's, there's definitely some philo- um, philosophical connection and that kind of thing. Um, and so I think it was really easy to get people united behind that vision and, and have them um, <laughs> sort of vision. put their own mark. Oh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> that's <a portrait laughs> phrase, right? Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting process and, and a whole lot of fun.
3: Cool. Uh, where did the uh, the original idea for Perception
2: originate? <laughs> so,
3: Originate original. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we so can the, edit that out in both.
2: <laughs> the initial idea, the seed of the idea behind per- Perception actually came from, um, I was finishing up uh, my master's degree um, in human factors, and uh, my, my professor for a, a prototyping class had um, thrown down this sort of, off-handed uh, challenge, you know, as we're leaving class, he's like, you know, by the time you all get to your cars this evening, you- you're all going to think of a brilliant idea, and. <laughs> You know, as a designer, I love this sort of thing. I love this sort of exercise and this sort of challenge. And so, sure enough, you know, we left class, and and you know, I'm I'm racking my brain and and, and sort of bouncing around and, and you're know, saying like, okay, I'm really passionate about horror. It'd be great to do a horror game. I think there's a lot of potential for for you know a um, an independent studio and just bouncing around all these ideas. And you know, sure enough, by the time I put my hand on the the handle of the car, it like you know, it hit me. And so um, I actually spent like. <laughs> probably around 45 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes, sitting in my car that night, just like, you know, like, oh, man, how do I make this happen? How do I, how, you know, who can I talk to? How can I make this uh, a reality? And so that was the initial idea, where the initial idea came from. And then, again, it was just quickly reaching out to Jim and Rob and, 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 and putting together pitches. Um, and so things, you know, really snowballed pretty fast and, uh, you know, very lucky to be able to, to, you know, again, get the the kind of traction that we did early on.
3: Great a large portion of your team worked on the Bioshock franchise. What, uh, what major lessons are you hoping to bring forward from those games and what did you specifically want to avoid while making perception?
2: Sure. Um, so obviously, you know, working 12 plus years at a, at a company, you're going to learn quite a bit. I think that, um, Particularly as a, as a developer and de, as a des, designer, um, you know, if you're not learning new things, it's kind of like, well, what's the point, you know? Unless you're making a really, really crazy good check, like, you know, you, you want to. I'm personally always going to want to be, you know, expanding, and that's part of the reason I went back and got my master's degree, and, and part of the reason I'm taking this project on. But um, a few takeaways for me from a rational, um, I would say, include just really making sure that you're being uh, user facing you know customer facing i think it's really easy for designers to and pardon me for being crass here but to kind of crawl up their own ass and 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 really like fall in love with their their intricate designs and you know listen i appreciate that but ultimately i think a lot of design um is really unappreciated and and frankly wasted um and so really trying to, to, to focus on how to um you know, really play up your strengths and really focus on what what people are going to, um, you know, uh, appreciate and and, and, and uh, you know, what's going to bring value to uh, to the user. Um, so that, that was definitely a big one. Uh, but then also, you know, lots of little pieces of uh, this sounds really obnoxious, but little pieces of of craft about how to um, you build up tension. And how to um, you know you know tell world through the uh, tell tell stories through the world and uh, you know how to build the vignettes and, and and just really a lot of I mean you know a is so amazing at at uh, and narrative and I think you know in my time there I was lucky enough to work with some brilliant people and and learn quite a bit um, about how to tell story uh, through game and so. Um, <laughs> could talk a lot. Could talk at length about those things, but those, those are some of the, the the high level pieces anyway. Yeah.
1: Cool. Um, so I know um, from at least what I've seen, it's just like uh, a lot of the game is based around you spending a lot of time in darkness and seeing random things. It's kind of all how uh, your Cassie visualizes um, the world that she's placed in uh, via her uh, the Whatever is going on in Echo Bluff, and I'm um, mm-hmm. uh, wondering, just like, uh, how difficult I guess was it to like figure out the correct level of player engagement when you've got uh, this contrast between a lot of darkness and um, the mechanic of ha- having to work through it um, as to not alert the enemy.
2: Yeah, I think that. Um... This is definitely a, a tricky balancing act. I think um, obviously that's critical to get right, and that's why it's going to be uh, a, a, a process where we're obviously iterating quite a bit. And, and so, um, you know, I ran the usability tests at, at Irrational for a few years, and I really, really learned to uh, value, um, you know, and, and really try and understand how to get in people's heads and, and really understand um, how to anticipate. You know the way people will play things, but it's a learning process. And and, and frankly, one of the things one of the other things I I walked away from uh, irrational with was that I think, generally speaking, you're almost always going to be wrong. And so, um, you know, I I I tried to lean on as many friends and family and and, and colleagues as possible when I when I um, was trying to balance, trying to find the right balance. In terms of uh, what the what's the right amount of information to reveal with echolocation, but then also um, to what degree are you it, it, how sensitive is the is the presence to uh, your sound, and and I think that's something we're we're, we're going to be tuning to the very end, right to the finish line. Um, but it, it, it's it's part of what makes this game really exciting for me is that you know it's always um, Always going to be learning new things, and I think that as I put it in, as, as we're making our tweaks and iterations, and putting it in front of people, um, really trying to hone in on what that experience might feel like. That you know, obviously, it's a video game, and <laughs> there's no way I'm ever going to be able to, to, to faithfully uh, recreate what echolocation feels like. I think it's, it's or uh, sorry, it's actually like I'm not I'm not simulating that, um, but rather I'm trying to capture that feeling. I'm trying to you know try and and and, and maybe. Let players immerse themselves and walk in those shoes and, and see what, you know, okay, um, if I'm navigating a space relying entirely on sound, what does that feel like? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a process where, I uh, you know, just really trying to iterate as much as possible. And, and that's why I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, like Kickstarters is because I'm able to right off the bat, I'm getting tremendous feedback from from people, and and, and, and uh, really getting to to understand. You know, I, I had anticipated. Um, there were a lot of reactions that I, uh, I, you know, are 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 were, were, are sort of coming out a little bit differently than I imagined, as as you could expect. Um, and so, yeah, it's an experience.
1: How um how often are you like actually subjected to like complete and total darkness?
2: Um, I think a lot of that depends on. Uh, <laughs> how much risk you're willing to take on uh so the house itself definitely you know it's an old house so it, it it has its a voice of its own you know it groans and it creaks and the pipes bang and all that sort of thing and so those are creating you know little pools of visualization as you're as you're playing you know, like for example mm-hmm. like the grandfather clock is an extreme example there um but i think that you know, obviously, as the game goes on and the presence gets angrier at you and, 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 and you know, it's hungrier to find you, um, you're going to have to be a little more cautious. And so, it's really um, in the player's hands. Um, you know, obviously, you're going to be able to create a, a, quite a bit more noise in the in the at the start of the game when the presence isn't as hungry and the world is 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 a little bigger and more open. You know, Echo Bluff is in, in its final state when you first first. Um, uh, arrive, you know, it's, it's had all these expansions and all these wings at it and all this sort of stuff, but, you know, as you make your way back in time, it retracts on itself and it becomes smaller and becomes tighter and the architecture changes and all these things and so, you know, the difficulty ramps up and that, that's one of the the, 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 um, uh, the knobs we have to, to, to tweak the difficulty. And so the amount of time you spend in complete darkness, that uh, partly depends on the house, but it also depends on, on how much uh, risk the players willing to take on.
0: So hmm. you you mentioned I guess when when you were talking about your initial conception of the game that you're you you like horror absolutely and you, you build when I was reading your Kickstarter you built it a uh, perception as uh, I guess in quotes narrative horror mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. that's really broad. <laughs> so what when when you say narrative horror what does that mean to you? Does it like you you worked on Bioshock and Bioshock's narrative was mostly via audio logs or, you know, even if there was someone on the radio, you never saw another character. It was all just listening to stuff as it went through until you got to Andrew Ryan. Or is it, I guess, a a game that I guess necessarily I I immediately drew a comparison with was Gone Home, where you're exploring an old house and maybe it's haunted. Um, I, I, I expect that I'll be able to, get, to go through a time portal to the house from Godhome in this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it also, I guess, probably because of uh, Steve Gaynor's work on Bioshock was very similar. To, um, but then you get something like The Vanishing of Ethan Carter, which I don't know if you've played. Um,
2: uh, you know, I have to, I'm embarrassed to say, I have, it in my, um, uh, I have it installed right now on my computer. I have not okay. just to play it, but you'll, yeah.
0: You'll, you'll finish it in an hour. Cool, or an hour, an hour or two. Cool. But it, it's it's also potentially a narrative horror game, but it does it very differently by allowing the character to see the past via flashbacks. And you've got a little of that going on, I think, with your time
2: travel, from what I saw. Mm-hmm.
0: So, how what what do you mean by narrative horror? Where how do you how do you sort of navigate that term?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's uh, it has narrative and it's a horror game.
3: <laughs>
2: no, <sorry>. okay uh, <laughs> no uh no that, that, that's actually a really good question and, and and these sort of uh deep-rooted uh and it, it seems like a simple question but you know i think that there's there's obviously a lot of nuance here and i, I love that sort of thing so i'll do my best to, to answer it and not uh you know, fumble my way through it i think that um what what's appealing to me about uh this approach uh and i'm going to kind of go off on a little bit of a, a tangent here i guess but um it's rare to me that you see, uh, from my perspective anyway, a game that, uh, you know, all the pieces sort of really gel together nicely. And, it, like, with echolocation, um, the notion of, 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 of seeing through sound um, and revealing the world, well, that works for both the narrative and that also works for the horror. Um, you know, you're, you're sort of revealing the information for both of these things, for all these things. Um, and so I think that um, in, in, in both cases, I think that... Uh, it's about really trying to walk in the shoes of, of, of someone else in the narrative sense, um, you know, really trying to put, give you a different perspective, the perspective of a blind woman and through, through Cassie. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, experience, um, you know, the, the, w- w- you know, what, what that's, what that means, what that's, what that feels like. Um, and so you mentioned Gone Home and I think absolutely that was a, 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 a big inspiration for me. I mean, i love the work that uh, you guys had Chris Remo on here, didn't you?
0: No, he, so none, none of the idle thumbs, uh, do podcasts unless they're actually there. They've, they've got their audio quality, uh, I see. stuff. Okay, sorry. As far as, I don't know, actually, I guess Steve probably does. I think he did, a, a like a Dark Souls podcast once. I ah, apologize. But, uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a common thing. We had, um, somebody else who worked at Irrational on, but not
1: him. Yeah, that
2: was, uh, Seth, right? Yes. Very cool,
0: He's
1: a cool yeah, guy. Very yep. cool
2: guy. Um, so yeah, Gone Home was a huge inspiration, and I think that for me it showed, uh, you know, that you can um, really focus on um, exposing. I mean, you look at the formula from the Looking Glass games and you look at the formula for that uh, that you know, sort of uh, irrational ran with the, the sort of narrative through the world, the uh, player being an active participant in, in unveiling that, that narrative. Um, and even though, you know, the player won't necessarily have uh, say as to how the story plays out. It, it you know, obviously you have a, a set end point. That, um, uh, that, that is the case with, with perception. We have a very clear story we're trying to tell. And that's the case with obviously gone home and Bioshock. Um, but I think the, the key, key difference here is about, uh, letting the player participate in, in, in revealing that, obviously not locking the player in place for, you know, cut scenes, um, not uh, just really trying to focus on um, telling, or playing to the strikes of, of the medium, you know. Uh, if, it, if, if games offer one thing that's unique, it's about creating a, a world. And so, um, you know, really trying to, to create a believable, fully lived-in world uh, that, you know, you want to immerse yourself and you want to poke your, your head into every corner. And to me, um, that's what the narrative aspect speaks to, again, very much to that, that looking glass, irrational um, upbringing that I have. And then uh, the horror aspects, you know, horror means a, a whole lot of different things. But for me, um, this is, is very much an experience uh, that is not focused on, on um, you know, gore. And, uh, you know, even though in the, the trailer we had a, a few... Uh, uh, jump scares. I and mean, I think that, you know, obviously trailers are, are, are difficult and we, we tried to at least capture a little bit of the, the mood and the, 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 tension and, and, and sort of the buildup and that sort of thing. That's really tricky in, uh, in any sort of um, trailer I feel. And so um, I think putting those two elements together um, and, and trying to capture uh, a lot of what you, what you mentioned, a lot of, uh, of sort of the, uh, you know, Bioshock and Gun Home type uh, experiences.
0: So I guess jumping on what you what you just said, where you said you you were trying to walk in someone else's shoes for this experience, and I think you were referring to walking in Cassie's shoes, but that that made me wonder what were what were the specific influences? You I guess you've you've named them in terms of the game, but you said also in terms of the narrative, you had to walk in someone else's shoes. So where what sort of uh, works are you drawing on for inspiration with this?
2: Uh, it's a bit of a smorgasbord. I you know I think that. It, it's tricky for me because a lot of times uh, my inspirations sort of become imprinted on me and, and and a lot of times when I'm building a sequence or, or writing something or collaborating, um, you know I'll walk through a sequence and they'll be like, "Oh, you know that's kind of like this, that's kind of like this thing and I'll be like, you know you're right and And so consciously the pieces that i'm I'm uh, drawing upon are, are a lot of the work by Kubrick. Um, and that—that's mostly from the tension building in the world, uh, uh, the, the atmosphere, and that sort of thing. So, *The Shining* in particular is—is um, is, is definitely a touchstone. I think the way that um, you look at uh, *The Overlook Hotel* and just the—the the ghosts uh, of of, the, of that hotel—you know, walking around, you—you you can feel even when they when, not, when they're not showing, you know, uh, the ghosts, and they're not showing, you know, um, you know the the. the uh, um, uh, what's his name? Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd the uh, um, bartender. Even when they're not showing these people, um, right. they're not showing that that weird uh, dog with that dude in the tuxedo towards the end. Where <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm gonna say I haven't. I'm, I'm gonna say I haven't seen the movie. I read the book. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. Um, I read the book in seventh grade. That was the first Stephen King book I ever read. Oh, wow,
2: no kidding. I, I mean, you, you like it? I mean, obviously you. No, no, it was great. I,
0: I bought the sequel, but like as soon as it came out
2: last year, um, it was cool stuff. I mean, very like complete like departure. I love the way that they uh, you know picked up um, and and sort of you know thirty years later. I think it was really clever, um, but not not at all really expected, but still very satisfying.
0: You? No, it was definitely not a horror book right. the way that the first one was, and I was like, wow, you can really see his evolution as a writer. Yeah, between those two, from like a guy who is looking to write a scary story to. book that's really introspective
2: great absolutely i mean the the i'm not gonna spoil anything but you know early on the the, obviously the whole thing with his alcoholism and exercising those ghosts but you know the scene where he he comes into that uh you know the the prostitute's home and 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 that whole like that that really stuck with me that was um some really uh powerful stuff you know with the 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 boy and and again i'm trying to avoid spoilers here um (laughs) And that the way that tormented him that he that he left and yeah it, very very chilling um, and so a lot of ways that that's it's a it's a whole different type of horror um, and and it's very challenging um, but anyway so uh, The Shining uh, definitely a, a huge touchstone um, the world just feels so dense and I really want to capture that I mean a lot of ways you see a lot of that in, in, in Bioshock um, but there's other pieces like uh, I'm I, I, you know uh, Memento have you guys seen Christopher Nolan's early yeah. film? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think what he did, uh, you know, cerebrally, if that's even a word, um, you know, I think that 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 moment when, uh, I'm not, again, well, I'm, I'm spoilerific today, <laughs> when uh, Guy Pierce...
0: Well, we've all seen it, right? So
2: yeah. To
1: it. <laughs>
2: when, when Guy Pierce realizes or it, it's revealed the whole truth to him and that sort of Look in his eyes, and that like fumbling through his memory, and that quick like surge of like that information fire hose to the face of being like, what does this all mean? Uh, and trying to piece it all together. Um, that that you know that that's a big inspiration for me in the way that the, the narrative kind of um, is meant to come together, and, and and sort of a lot of the way he's um, you know experiencing the narrative, um, experiencing the world around him. Um, there's, there, there, I found that to be, uh, inspirational. Not from a, there's nothing to do with blind, it's just from a, uh, you know, Cassie's blind from a perspective of, you know, why is this place calling to me? Um, and so, uh, I, I you know, that, that's always interesting to me. And then there's plenty of games as well, I think, uh, both from an atmosphere perspective, and then, uh, you know, I talked about Gone Home, obviously, and, like, even going back to, um, <laughs> Super Metroid actually left a big impression on me in terms of how you can set atmosphere and how you can, you know, you think about the little goofy bits, uh, still hold up to this day. You know, you, the, the opening scene when you come into the lab and, and you see all the bodies strewn about and the, the glass, uh, where the Metroid was that you had seen before, uh, being empty and the little things like that. Um, so again, it, it's, 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 it's this sort of collection. Of, of pieces or of inspiration, but definitely *The Shining* and *Memento* are, are two big ones. Also, *The Thing*. Though. Sorry, wow. I, you, you get me talking about inspiration, and I'll go off forever. *The Thing* is also another one. Um, in the very similar to uh, *The Shining*, and it, pl- it plays up the um, the isolation themes and the, the theme of paranoia, um, and you know, don't trust anyone. And 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 uh, I think similarly, you know, you're really able to trust what you're um, perceiving in the space. Um, yeah. So
0: I was always more of a, a mouth of madness type of guy. Oh, cool, 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 cool. But as a, I mean, the, yeah, it's all the same trilogy. Sure,
2: sure, sure. Been a while. Been a while since I've, I've seen that. Um. All
0: right. Let's see. Uh, so, hmm. I guess I guess that's a good a good segue to the next question that I had, which was uh. More generally about the horror genre, so you know, Bioshock is not a horror game. Although some people build it as a horror game, sure. um, and there there were definitely some creepy environments. I, I know you, you were an environment designer on the first Bioshock, right? The, you did what? Uh, Welcome to Rapture and Be- medical building and
2: for, Fort Frolic.
0: Um, okay. Oh, so, so medical building was that? That was the area with the furnaces, right?
2: Uh, there was a, a there was a um, uh, uh, crematorium. Is crematorium. Is that yes. the right word? Uh, yeah? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah.
0: That area wrecked
2: me. Oh, nice. <laughs> when I was in,
0: so I when did that game come out? Um, 2007. 2000, 2007, So I would have probably been like senior year of high school, and um, as as a, you know, a, a teenager who knew a lot about history and had read a lot of books because I'm, like, my field is literature, cool. and there is, there is a huge difference between seeing something, like, reading reading about the Holocaust and seeing something about the Holocaust, and, like, I had been to the Holocaust Museum, but you're, you're there in a certain mindset, in, in a different headspace than you are when you're playing a game, and that just, that just wrecked me, mm-hmm. like, see, seeing, like, ah, oh, this is, this is the worst. Like, that, that Point and probably the opening where you're going down in the in the bathosphere are the two points in that game that I had the strongest resonance for me. So good job.
2: Oh. Well, yeah, the, the the descent into rapture that was mostly uh, Nate, Stephen, and. Um uh, Ken, uh, but as soon as you, as soon as you as soon, excuse me, as soon as you arrive, uh, that's where I started to really, uh, you know, that that was where I spent a, a good deal of time, then up through a Medical Pavilion, and then again Fort Frolic. And then later on in the project, um, I transitioned to, to more of a lead role, um, you know, as I, I had owned all these levels for so long, and um, you know, I had sort of really strengthened my relationship with ken and we had just seen eye to eye and this is the point where ken was really um you know he had a very clear sense of what the vision was and you know i was Mm -hmm. able to we were really become really effective at at sort of uh bouncing ideas off each other and then also knowing uh sort of anticipating what what the other one was wanting and so i was able to really help him achieve that vision by you know then moving on and, and 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 moving into other levels and 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 directing in that that regard so I have my hands in a lot of things. It was well, a lot of fun.
1: Well,
0: so anyway, back to, to, to the question I was going <laughs> to ask. Um, which is, so so you've, this, this horror element, I guess less in Bioshock Infinite, but it's definitely something that sort of marked the work that you've done. So what, what is it about horror that you find so compelling? And when you're, I guess you're, you're making this game now and you're, you're billing it as a horror game, but especially in, in movies that we've discussed, you know, once you see the monster it's sort of game over, right? Like, there's there's nothing scary there anymore. The, the Xenomorph. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, Xenomorph, like, there are monsters that look cool, but, you know, there, there's a distinction, which, uh, listeners, there is a distinction between terror and horror, and terror is sort of the anticipatory fear that you have leading up to the event of fright, and horror is the fear that you have after having experienced it, mm-hmm. uh, for, for those who don't know. Um, and I feel like the so much of visual horror, you know, quote unquote horror medium, whether it's a game or a movie or whatever, is not seeing the thing. Like in Amnesia, you know, the the monsters look goofy. It's being chased by them and you don't know what's behind you that's scary. Yeah, absolutely. So how how are you planning, I guess, planning on avoiding that in perception? Sort of, so I guess it's sort of a dual problem question. What is attractive about the horror genre to you? And then how do you plan to avoid its pitfalls?
2: Sure. Um. You know, horror is very much in my blood. Uh, my parents owned a video store growing up, and so um, I had access to every horror movie uh, you can imagine, and, and I, I, I pretty much... And they let you watch them? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, probably a little younger. Three uh,
1: movies, three video games. Yeah. Must be how it is.
2: Probably a little younger than I should have been watching them, but, um, you know, I, I, you know I, I, was, I was old enough. It, I, I'm only partially disturbed now, so... Um, <laughs>
0: Only partially irrational. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: um, it's just something I've always been passionate about. From when I was, you know, uh, you know, ten, eleven, twelve years old, on my backyard with a little camcorder, shooting, um, you know, goofy little uh, Michael Myers and, and Jason Voorhees um, uh, little little stupid movies. Um, something I'd always been passionate about. I think part of it is there really aren't, um, I think, any other genres that you can really have the kind of captive audience uh that you get with horror i mean I, I think people are willing to um as participants really sit back and 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 uh and say okay i i know this game i know how um even though if they they understand the way that tension is built up and how it's paid off and the cat jumps out at you for this misdirection and all that sort of thing and there's a little bit of relief and then even if they understand that they still want that ride you know it's, it's the roller coaster right building up that tension, building up that tension, and then relieve that tension and then build it up again and, and, and sort of uh, in a bigger fashion and, and rinse repeat. Um, so to me, really trying to find new ways to, uh, <laughs> if it's going to sound terrible, but manipulate the audience <laughs> to surprise the audience and, and play on those conventions, um, you know, and sometimes uh, just play them straight and other times really trying to take it in a different direction. Um, and so, you know, I think games have this, like really unique. There are genres that work particularly well in, 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 in games. I think that there are genres that are way more difficult. Like I think that horror, that um, comedy uh, is is incredibly difficult to, to do in games. And I, I think you know, obviously part of that is the the um, the setup is a lot more difficult when you don't necessarily know where the player is going to be looking and all that. Um, it's very focused. Like if you want the, the comedy, you know, generally speaking, it's not like horror where you can still get the ambience, if you're even if you're looking away you know you can still get a little bit of that dread but if it's comedy if you're looking the opposite direction well you miss the entire thing and and the joke's gone right and you need that perfect timing um and and likewise you know in comedy when if if um you know you die and you have to replay something well it gets a whole lot less funny right and so uh those are those are challenging pieces there but with horror i think that um Given the nature of games, I think it lends itself a lot better to uh, to success and, and sets itself up a lot better. Um, I think, obviously, immersing the player in, in, in someone else's shoes and really uh, whisking them away to a situation that they're, you know, feel like they're genuinely imperiled, even when they're not, um, is it, something that fascinates me. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think again it's in my blood, but I think it's also a unique opportunity, particularly for indie games. In that, you, know, you look at what makes a horror experience work. You know, as you, you rightfully pointed out, a lot of it is about withholding information. Uh, you know, I, I, the thing I always say is that information is the enemy of horror, and that's part of what led to to perception. But it's also, um, I think, what makes it ideal for building a game in that you don't have to. Um, you look at, like, a Call of Duty, you know, or, 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 or any sort of shooter um, or action game. You know, you really have to show the entire world, right? And so every little detail, you know, you have to build the entire world and all that sort of stuff. Whereas um, horror, you can really stage manage, and you can really focus on on the strengths and ignore all the, uh, the other pieces that aren't, you know, you, you think about the amount of time you, you – I don't want to say waste, but the amount of time you spend – fully realizing the world rather than fully realizing the experience and the emotion that you want with horror. Um, to me, I, am always a big fan of, of trying to, 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 pick your battles. And that's what, to me, that's what horror is about, you know, just carefully selecting what do I want to say here versus a, an action game where it's just like, well, here's a, here's an, I don't mean to belittle action games because you're, you're obviously the focus there is about crafting the combat and that the combat experience. But I'd rather craft the emotional experience. If you know what I'm saying, and you can do that in action too. I'm doing a lot of backtracking here, but um, <laughs> the, the, I mean the, the, that's I I, I think the, the focus is a lot more on, on, on sort of the, the the visceral emotional aspects with, with a horror experience. And um, so again, to, to answer your question, with the, the the second part of the question, um, I think perception is unique in that you know you look at echolocation, it is an opportunity to to to, to turn that process of gaining information into a mechanic and I think that um, again that speaks to the horror it speaks to the narrative it speaks to the gameplay and so it just seems like the perfect fit Um, always looking for new ways to uh, take what's familiar with horror and and put it in a different light if you will and and so that's I think what's really good about the echolocation aspect
0: is if you if you watched a bunch of those movies when you were little and then filmed your own Michael Myers and Jason movies (laughs) Uh, did, did you did you come down on on the Freddy versus Jason?
2: Uh, oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Side side, which who who
2: do you like in that? Well, I I love side? them all, but for me it goes. uh Freddy, Michael, Jason, uh, Freddie being number one. And
0: okay, good. That, that is the, I mean, the character. <laughs> character. So mean, see, see if you agreed that Freddie is the best I, and,
2: I, <laughs> I, I just, it, and
0: that he has a character. <laughs> well, there's
2: that. But I think it's also that I think that the sky's the limit with what you can do with Freddie. uh, whereas Jason, you have pretty much said all you can, uh, from the get go. It's just like, hey, and listen, it's a slasher flick. So he's pretty badass at slashing things. But, uh, you know, beyond that, it's like, okay, we know his backstory, um, and as much as I love, they got a lot
3: of mileage out of it. <laughs>
2: well, Jason in space, right? Yeah. Um, maybe I'm just being unimaginative, and there is uh, plenty of uh, uh, soil to till here. But I, I, I just feel like, yeah, there's, there's a lot more to do and a lot more to say with with uh, with Freddie, and then I think Michael, and then less so with Jason.
0: Okay. So that's why you've picked up uh, Guillermo del Toro off of Silent Hills, right, to do your creature design. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so uh, w- is there a particular th- uh, creature that uh, reeks of—I uh, shouldn't say reeks, but uh, uh, is reminiscent of, of Del Toro.
0: No, I mean I, I've only seen. I don't know, maybe Gord or, or Paul think think differently, but I mean, I've only seen the. I guess the statue of the presence. Sure. But he didn't. Edit. I think a lot of Del Toro's, like the the compelling nature of his monsters is the way that they move. A lot of
1: yeah. it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Did he do like the the,
3: the hands monster the labyrinth? Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the monster that in Panhandle exactly
0: is yeah. so good. No, that
3: is brilliant, absolutely.
0: That thing is so good. And even, like, the fawn in that movie, which is not a monster, but just the way that the mm-hmm. leg is bent back on itself, or, mm-hmm. and, and then you find out that that guy didn't speak a word of Spanish. Right, right. <laughs> it just learned all his lines phonetically.
2: Well, it, it's also, um, you know, I was talking before about information being the enemy of fear, Del Toro, I think, is, is one of the few exceptions. Um, because you think about you know, the, the hand-eye monster there, and you think about...
0: All I wanted to know was more about that guy.
2: <laughs> um, he was so cool. Where did he come from? <laughs> no, but even like, he, like a lot of his stuff is, is full detail. You, you see the whole yeah. thing. Um, and so I think a lot of that just comes from his background and his uh, ability to create really compelling detail. I, I think that's a tricky thing that I don't think a lot of people can do. Right. Um, like, uh, you know, actually filling in the blank, having him fill in the blanks is, is, is one of those extremely rare, I think once, uh, in a lifetime or once in a generation talent where you can, you can basically, like, you think about all the little, obviously the hands in the eyes. I wish I had a name for that thing, but, uh, <laughs> that is just so imaginative and so creepy and it sticks with you. And, 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 and
0: I think, I think in the credits, his name is the pale man. Uh, even
2: that's creepy. Yeah. Something like that. Um, <laughs> But then it's also the way his skin droops and those, uh, those legs, right? Yeah. Uh, oh. Right,
0: and and the fact that he's he's like emaciated despite having that huge feast in front of oh, him, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah that yeah. was all practical too, right? Yeah, yep. I
0: think I think for the when he bites into the fairies, that's just condoms filled with fake blood oh my and it just really? drips all down him. Yeah. So it, like I, that, those effects are definitely practical, and I think all of his makeup is practical too. Yeah. And like yeah. they made some serious costumes.
2: Yeah, I. I, I Obviously, um, Pacific Rim was amazing, but man, oh man, uh, Del Toro, Like, I feel like he's been having uh, a lot of difficulty with projects lately, and we need to get that man cranking on stuff. Oh, I guess he's got, um, what are we talking about? He's got, uh, what's it called? That
0: He's got Pacific Rim 2. Yeah, but there's one
2: coming out in uh, in October, uh, a um, uh, mansion, a Victorian mansion uh, with, I don't know what it is.
3: Yeah, darn it. Um, it Some teenagers cool. need to spend the night in order to get a million dollars. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, this is gonna kill me. I gotta look this up because it, it,
3: it's, it's um, right. K-
0: Kung Fu Panda Three.
2: Done, so there. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: no, I, I was on his uh, filmography page, and apparently that's his his li- movie in twenty sixteen, Kung Fu Panda 3 oh, you We're not
2: kidding. Okay. <laughs> Crimson Peak. <G. laughs> yeah, that's it. You're right? Hold on. Right? Is that the new one? Yeah. There, I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I guess he only wrote it. Um, but anyway, it looks uh, looks pretty cool. I mean, just if nothing else for the. Costume and set design, and I I frankly haven't watched a lot of it because, you know, I really want to soak that in, uh, in the theater, you know, first time. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a really weird, uh, outlier, I feel like. But, um, yeah, again, with, with, uh, I think the, you know, the whole information notion, I think that there are so many pieces here as I was exploring, uh, what projects to tackle and, and perception came up, and that the seeds of that idea sort of snowballed. It just, it, it was such a perfect fit in that, like, okay, you know, I don't want to take anything on uh i don't want to take on a project unless i know i can really knock it out of the park um and so you know the the indie space is just becoming increasingly competitive and uh you know i'm not afraid of um you know you know taking on that challenge of of uh you know uh i know i know we can create some amazing content but at the same time anytime you can pick your battles like i was saying before anytime you can say like okay with the echolocation, we can just focus on uh, that aesthetic and just focus on the, the broad strokes of the architecture rather than the tiny details of the page that you pick up and that kind of thing. Um, and so, again, it ties into the horror and ties into the fact that it's an indie game and, and all, all these elements, and it just works together.
0: So it's a, we, we, we've sort of done a deep dive into the horror half of your narrative horror, but so how, how do you balance the narrative... Demands of the game with the gameplay demands of the game in a world where you know you I I think it was in a one of the FAQs maybe that I was reading where you said that you you don't make sound when you walk despite the fact that that is one of the most fundamental ways that somebody who's deaf figures out where stuff is, right? They they hear where people are walking, so they don't bump into them.
2: Well, uh, Um, if that's the case on the fact, I'll update that. Uh,
0: I don't know if it was. I feel like I read that somewhere. That might be completely wrong. No, no, it's okay.
2: So your your footsteps absolutely do, and you can see that that, in the trail. I think what it was um, was probably your voice.
0: Okay, that was it. Yeah, that was what it and was. And so we had um, talking doesn't make sound. Yeah,
2: we, we had played around with that, and, and there's a couple of different elements here. Um, we have, you know, we, we, we based on the tech we have, we can make any sound to make uh, the, the the you know echolocate. Um, the the challenge here is that a um, the when you're talking, it doesn't necessarily make all that much noise. Uh, but it's also that it there's not necessarily going to be going to be anything near enough to you that you would be able to mm-hmm. perceive. The, the waves, the sound, actually hitting it. So unless you're going to, like, if you want to appreciate walking up to a wall while you're talking, um, and see how that affects things, well, you know, great. But I, t- to me right now, again, about it's about picking, uh, our battles and to sync up the VO to, um, to sort of like have it so that echo locates and it it, uh, creates those sound waves with it sort of in sync with the sound. That was a huge challenge. Um, We do have some rudimentary tech that, you know, I think with the right kind of timing, we could do that. If there's enough like, oh, it doesn't make any sense and it's stupid, but frankly, I don't think that that's worth us taking on so i'm, I'm not 100 percent sold one way or the other it is something we can do um i think it's probably going to be one of those things that um you know again having the sound waves coming like directly out of your face number one but then also not being able to um see it reflected in the world uh is one of those things that and, isn't,
0: and who is she talking to <laughs>
1: um, but then who is house
2: yeah <laughs> So, but
0: I mean, that was just a just an example sure. uh, of of the, the sort of the larger question I was asking, which is sort of how how are you balancing sort of the the narrative you want to tell with the restrictions of the the gameplay that you want to implement. Sure,
2: and uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I think these things do go hand in hand. Um, the a lot of the player narrative, uh, I think, works very well with the gameplay in the sense that you know a lot of my favorite moments in in horror in video games. Um, have been the, um, the, the ones that I've created, the moments that I've driven, um, the moments where, you know, the big bad monster comes, whether it's Penumbra, when you first meet the, 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 first little mutant creature thing, um, and you're warned about it, it's been a while, I don't remember exactly, but, um, you're warned about it coming, and, and you hear it coming around the corner, and you duck into the first office, uh, the first side room you can go, you, you happen, happen past, and, and you, I ran behind the, uh, the desk in the corner. And I, I, I duck behind it, and I'm praying to myself, "Oh my God, please don't, please don't find me, please don't find me." And I hear it; it's bare feet come and shuffle in, and I'm asking myself, "You know, this isn't a scripted moment. You know, this is this is life or death right here."
3: And I hear it.
0: Sh- is this penumbra or is this amnesia? Ah, uh, this, this is, is penumbra.
3: penumbra. The first thing okay. I did in amnesia was run into a, a a closet and close the doors and crouch and look at the corner. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: wow. Uh, Man, my experience. Hmm. No, is
0: this is this the second penumbra? I was, I was I, think. It might
2: be Black Plague. I apologize. Okay, because I
0: only played the first one. And that was all wolves.
2: Okay, yeah, no, this is Black Plague. Then this is the. Uh, okay, is I never, the, never got yeah, that Yeah, you know, the naming convention there was a little. Com- How many are there anyway?
0: Sure. I think there are three. Okay. There's uh, Overture, sure. Black Plague, yep. and something yep, else. Right.
2: So, so anyway, Plague. I'm duck behind this this desk, and uh, you know, I'm hearing it shuffle in, and I see the top of its head. You know, uh, you know, just peeking over the desk, and it's, it doesn't quite know it's there. I'm there, but I'm not sure, and I'm I'm like holding my breath, like in real life, being like, oh Jesus Christ, I? and so eventually it just kind of wanders off, and I'm like, oh. you know, and that could have gone wrong in a million different ways, but the fact that I knew that it was something that I generated, even though they probably gave the designers probably gave the the AI the right kind of nudge and that kind of thing, um, right? Those moments are so much. And listen, I love the 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 bit where the, the dog jumps through the window in Resident Evil and we all talk about that and it's great it's a great jump scare but um, it's 100 percent scripted um, and you know I appreciate that and you know we'll probably have a few of those in, in 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 this game but the moments where we're able to set you up for your own little war stories those are those are ones that I'm super excited about and the way that the system uh, the um the presence works systemically um you know he's wandering around that or it, it's wandering on the house uh, you know, trying to hunt you down, and, and so you are, um, you know, quite literally playing hide and seek. And, and so,
0: oh, so is it is it like a clock tower?
2: In some ways, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like you look at um, you know Resident Evil three, um, which is kind of a weird mix because you know um, Nemesis comes out of very scripted moments, and I, I believe in Clock Tower that Scissor Man guy comes out uh, at scripted moments as well. I'm trying to remember.
0: I think there are certain, but then there's every time you move into a new environment, I think it just rolls to see if he'll sure. be there. Sure. Yeah,
2: that sounds right. Yeah. Um and so a lot of these, these pieces are, are takeaways from, um, some of my work on, on, on levels and on, on helping with the AI and the systems on, on, on a lot of our games and, uh, you know, Bioshock and things like that. You know, there's a lot of, um Pieces that I don't think necessarily people got to appreciate because you were so armed to the teeth in, in Bioshock. Um, but you know, a- systemically, those AIs would would hunt you down, and, and if you, you hide, you know, they use a lot of their search behaviors, and they can hear and see. And, and there's oh yeah, a lot of
0: did you work? Wait, did you work on the DLC for the for Infinite, where they took all your weapons away? Yes, this is- Okay, so that that was that was maybe a little bit of what we should expect to see. Oh, um, that was real. Good. To some
2: degree, yeah, I think that. Um- like I-
0: 1998 w- mode was the most fun I had with that game, <laughs> or 1997, whichever the one. Yeah, was yeah, in yeah. The, D- the DLC yep,
2: yep. It's based on when Thief came out, 98. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, you know that stuff is hugely exciting to me. I think anytime you can, uh, you know, put the player in control of those sort of things, but also make it so that all the systems interplay in interesting ways, um, such that again he's able to uh, to learn the systems enough that he's able to um, kind of just bootstrap his way by or, or sort of eek by, but at the same time never really feel like he has it mastered and that there's enough elements of unpredictableness in, in both the environment and, and the, the AI behavior that, you know, it's he's, it's going to keep him guessing, but it's also going to keep him on edge. Um so, systemically and from a gameplay perspective, I think that the uh, those pieces go work really well together. But then I think, um, from a higher level, just the the type of story we're trying to tell, I think that um, you know again exploring the uh, the estate and using echolocation to poke into every corner um, and 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 figure out you know what where the um, well, obviously the important narrative pieces. You mentioned, you know, finding letters and and recordings and and, and, and coming across ghosts that have sort of, like, um, well, haunted the place, but, you know, scratched their ways into the walls. Um, And so, yeah, there there are definitely a lot of um, Bioshocky elements in that regard, but I think the the element of um, echolocation definitely um, take it in, uh, you know, have a, a slightly more interesting riff in the, again... I think a lot of those games are about peeling away the layers of the onion. Well, with, with echolocation, you were literally doing that or not literally, but, (laughs) um, more closely doing that, I think.
3: So we've, uh, we've seen a lot of interest in popular media recently in, uh, blindness and, uh, trying to share that blind experience uh, from such things as daredevil, which is just super good. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in fact, I'd like to, uh, point out, I'd like to call out how, uh, how wonderful <laughs> the sound quality is, the uh, sound production, um, during Indeed the fight scenes especially. Yeah. Cool. Like, I, I feel like I could just close my eyes during those fight scenes and appreciate them just as well or better, because you know exactly what's happening cool. just from sound alone. Uh, and uh, the uh, the upcoming game, Blind, uh, from Tiny Bull Studios. Uh, oh. Do you think we're in a cultural moment where blindness is particularly compelling as a muse? And... Why do you think that uh, these are all surfacing at the same time?
2: Um, I think the, the cultural moment is really actually that um, the barriers to entry are, are crumbling. I think that um, the tools that we have and the direct access we have to the fans um, more speak to um, the freedom that we have as creators, and that um, I think you're going to see a lot more of this sort of synchronicity in the future. Um, I think that you know previously with games – you know, you either had to have um, – and I don't mean to knock, you know, um, uh, uh, indie games from a few years back, but, you know, the tools just weren't there, right? And the, the access to um, things like Kickstarter and, and, and that sort of thing weren't there. And so I think you, you, you we, we were for a while in this state where it was, like, huge AAA games, um, you know, ridiculous big-budget games, and then really, 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 really tiny um, – and sometimes, you know, obviously very artistic, very um, – Games that pushed things forward, for sure. Um, but th- there was no middle middle ground. Uh, there were no sort of medium-sized games. There were no, like, l- uh, small to medium-sized games. It was all, where, like, I, I feel like really, really small. And there's no time frame here. I'm, I'm sort of speaking very generally here. Um, but I think as, you know, Unity has come along and as, as Unreal has has changed their model and, and really improved the, their tools, and, and that's what we're using, actually, Um and I, and I think, again, as, as as platforms like Kickstarter have come along, you all of a sudden have a lot more developers being like, hey, let's make a game, you know, and it, it's awesome. You know, I think that, frankly, when, when um, <laughs> Daredevil was first announced, you know, we were pretty much in the thick of, of, uh, you know, building things for, uh, you know, building our systems and all that sort of thing. And I remember my initial gut reaction was like, oh, why couldn't this be a few more months? Why? (laughs) And I was like, I knew I was going to get a lot of like, oh, isn't this, you know, like Daredevil? And I I totally get it. I'm not, you know, that's a totally legitimate question. Um, But, you know, as I started to think about it, I was like, you know what? This is really a sign of the times and this is a good thing. Um, I think that, um, well, frankly, um, as I've researched blindness and I spent a lot of time really trying to, to understand that experience, um, I'm happy that it's it's the kind of thing that there's a lot more um, exposure and a lot more um, understanding, and, and it, it, it I think that people are starting to become a lot more aware. Um, I don't, have, you, have you guys ever heard of? Um, there's an app called Be My Eyes.
3: No, no. coolest
2: thing, right? So this um. This is an app uh, uh, that you can download, and it essentially lets you, um, in a very sort of chat roulette kind of way, although less uh, sort of gross, uh, <laughs> you're able to uh, – it essentially connects blind people with sighted people. And so uh, they're able to connect through a chat system, a video chat system, and uh, they're able to say, like, you know, uh, get sort of feedback on what they're seeing. And so I interviewed one blind man, and he, had, he told me about how he used the app, and he said he was at a vending machine that didn't have Braille. And so he, he pulled out his phone and was able to connect to someone uh, in Australia, actually. And he, he asked, you know, well, where, where's the Diet Coke? And the guy said, okay, the, the, the Dr. Pepper's there, and then there's the, the, the Coke, and the Diet Coke's the last one on the right. And so, you know, in a couple of minutes, he was able to connect to someone across the world and solve a very real problem. Um, and so... Again, I think that it's just a, a sign of, of where we are, is that there are, um, I think, interesting stories to tell, interesting uh, games to be made and, and problems to be solved, and I think that we're at the point now where we can just tackle them. Um, so I think that that's the interesting thing to me. That's, that's the real sign of the times. I can't speak specifically if there's something in the air right now with regards to blindness. I, I can only speak to what sort of inspired me, but I do think that right now it's, it's, it's an awesome
1: time. So... Uh... People are becoming uh, increasingly uh, kind of uh, distrustful or wary of Kickstarter as a way to fund game projects, uh-huh. and uh, it seems like you're either just like a huge, far over um, uh, uh, kick uh, goal goal oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, you, you just make way more than your uh, original goal, or you just kind of like fade away and vanish. <laughs> And a lot of, uh, and it's like a lot of the, uh, it's happening to a lot of the smaller game companies, like they just like kind of get, uh, kicked out of, the, uh, market and like, I just want to know, like, what is, uh, your Kickstarter campaign been so far? Uh, cause I know that you haven't, uh, reached your goal yet, but there's still like two weeks and mm-hmm. hopefully the last, uh, couple of days will just be like a huge boon,
3: uh, <laughs> for you guys. Listeners, um,
1: go do this. Yeah, if, if you haven't <laughs> kicked started this game, go for it. This is good. This looks so good. Thank um, you. But uh, like, if say it doesn't work out, like, do you have any other backup plans or fallbacks to go for? Um, there,
2: there, there are always, always like little. I'm, I'm like James Bond. I always have an escape plan. Um, no, <laughs> no I, I, you know, I given a, a, kicked around some ideas, but from very, very early on, this was the way I wanted to go. And and frankly, um, I don't know what would happen uh, if if Kickstarter doesn't happen. Um. I, you know, I've had uh, a lot of support, uh, and I'm confident we're going to make this thing. Uh, you know, we're halfway... Th-
0: You're on track to make yeah, it. Definitely yeah, definitely. The
2: projections are all good. Um, you know, we're in the, um, the sort of dreaded uh, uh, valley portion, and that's why, you know, obviously the more help, the, the closer we get to our goal early on, obviously, the more likely we are to smash some of those um, stretch goals, and, and I'm, like, really... Obviously I'm super excited about a lot of them You know with VR and and, and Consoles and and, you know there's a lot I really want to hit but I I think we'll definitely Hit them in terms of backups I don't really know Um, And I also don't really I can't really speak to um, The state Of Kickstarter I I just see a lot Of really cool projects and I don't know if I'm just really Sensitive because I'm on Kickstarter right now And there are so many freaking amazing Games on there (laughs) Um, But uh I have seen a little bit of the, um, I guess you could say, backlash uh, with Kickstarter. And uh, all I know is, you know, this is the, the path I want to take because, again, it, it, it's a great way to connect with the audience and and take a risky project like um, Perception, you know, where, again, who would have thought a few years ago that you'd be able to to make a game about a blind woman, uh, you know, and a, a horror game about a, about a blind woman. And so this is a, it's just a great opportunity and uh, I think it's really just about doing everything we can to, to make this thing... Uh, oh, my God, I almost went into my art, my silly hashtag that we have for the game.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with where we are, but I definitely want to to, to keep pushing it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so do you think like, it's going to be a, a viable model for the future, or uh, do you think... Sure, uh, sure, sure.
2: I, I'm, right. I'm definitely no expert, um, uh, but I do
1: expert opinion i
2: I think um
0: investing Kickstarter. i I,
2: look at it i i think i i I, to me it looks like a hugely health uh, um healthy platform um i just look at all the again again i'm looking at all these other titles and i i I see them you know titles that would not have been possible uh being uh, successfully funded um you know smaller titles and bigger titles um I'm, I'm terrible with names right now, uh, but uh, you know, obviously, there's Platonix. Um, what was Platonix game called again? Yeah, ukulele. Uh, okay, ukulele. Oh, yeah. um, you know, a, a game like that. Uh, you know, amazing that we're able to, to, to see something like that. I, I don't know that, given the state of platformers right now, I think it's unlikely that we would see that otherwise without Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, Blood
0: stained, uh, to sure,
2: I mean, so those are some some pretty big juggernauts with some uh, right. some, some some big uh, big names behind them. I don't know where we fall. I think we're you know, obviously we're a uh, you know experienced uh, team for sure. Uh, but, right. you know So far, I've been funding it out, out of pocket, and uh, you know definitely need the support. And so again, I don't know where that 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 makes us sit. Uh, in in the, the scheme of things, I think it's really just about looking at each project on their own merits and and, and saying like, is this a game I want to see? Am I going to see it any other way? If uh, if the answer is no, then you, you 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 I I say do what you can to support it. And then there's like I said, there's still quite a few like really exciting small projects. Um, there's one I backed today about another horror title. Um, hold on one second. This is gonna I need to remember. Uh, yeah, through the woods. Um, have you guys seen this one? Um,
0: it sounds super familiar. Oh,
2: they're really close now. They have three days to go and, uh, only $7,000 more And, um, it's, a third person psychological horror experience, uh, about how far a mother would go to save her son. And it's got this really cool Norse, I, I guess you could say, I'm probably butchering this here, uh, mythology and, and, uh. Just some really cool stuff. Uh, yeah, they say they call it Norse, uh, influenced by Nor- uh, Norse mythology and Norwegian folk tales. Um, just a very different look. That I mean, how does something like that happen? Aside from these guys, uh, this team uh, funding it out of pocket and then throwing up a hail mary on Steam, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think it, I think Kickstarter is awesome. I think there's there's um, I don't I don't see it going anywhere personally.
0: So what? What's the best, uh, I guess, bug or glitch that you guys have encountered so far in development?
2: <laughs> Honestly, the uh, the best development story I have um, is really part glitch, part um, uh, developer being devious.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so uh, when we first got the presence up and running in the game um, – <laughs> I uh I pulled my wife over and I was like, Hey, you know, check out the, the, the update that um that Hung did at the level and I pulled her over and um I sat her in front of the uh the computer and she's walking around. I was like, Oh I love that, you know, looking at at, at the staircase that we had added and and the the foyer and all that stuff and and <laughs> all of a sudden the presence walks by. Uh I said it walks, but you know, it kinda of has its own little little walk. Um <laughs> and she screams at the top of her lungs and wakes the kids up because I didn't, she didn't know that it was uh, that the presence was working or was going to be there
3: and, <laughs> and, so, <laughs> um,
2: and that's just, when you knew
3: yeah 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 exactly <laughs> yeah
2: absolutely but um it, it's funny because in that same map uh you know at the time we the presence was only there when you you know would would, would spawn it um you know there, there was it was very early in development obviously and um but if <laughs> we started to build up these um almost kind of uh Bigfoot-type stories where actually Hung had – I should dig up the email or the, the message or whatever. At one point, he emailed us like, hey, that's, I, I think I saw the presence in the level. That's awesome. That's, uh, I was building the level, and I was like, I, I don't think he spawns unless you enter a, a command or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so people are, are are actually seeing the presence when it's not actually there. As far as I know, I mean it's possible that you know occasionally Kirk will script something out that you know, if you hit a trigger he'll spawn. I, I don't know exactly, but we have our own sort of um, Loch Ness monster stories happening. Uh, uh, as we're playing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And if, if I were working for you, I would just constantly be changing those <laughs> rules every two or three days. I think
2: uh, as we get into the thick of it, I, I, I probably I probably do exactly that. Keep people on their toes. That's great.
3: That's so, um, uh, so Skynet started. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: All right. Well, I guess hmm, we're reaching the end of our of our scheduled time. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you have uh, other important things to be doing as well. So Which work. That's well, true. <laughs> yeah. Before before you go, we do always have one one question that we ask all of our guests, okay. and that is, uh, what is your favorite cheese?
2: Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, yeah. yeah. we get that a lot. <laughs> no, no. It, it, it's like recently I've always been <laughs> I've always been into cheese. Um,
0: Ever since I was a young girl. <laughs>
2: Uh, you yeah, know, sitting on the, the back cheese porch cheese. with my Cracker Barrel. Um, it was only recently, the past two years or so, that I got my wife into, um, into cheese. Uh, I don't know what happened, but something, like, she always hated it and, uh, and then all of a sudden something just clicked and, and she loves it. And huh. So, um, the past couple what? years it's been uh, a Gouda. I think a good, like, age, maybe three year, Gouda. well, I'm, I'm getting oddly specific here. Um, uh, a good Gouda, um, but uh also a huge trying to go cheese um in any form and but i think overall i'm just going to be really lame and say uh pound for pound uh it's probably going to be just american which is really bland and boring but <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> just... that is our
3: that, what first second duplicate we've had one no, american
0: we, previous. well no because it's not we've we had someone say american but they were very specific about the type of american and... So, you're talking just like a craft singles? No, no, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I, think <laughs> I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I love the, um, you get a, um, supermarket, uh, not Atlanta Lakes, uh, around here. they have like one of the supermarket, uh, name brands right now. Like, they have a market basket. But I think one of the keys here is about, like, you wanna, like, I get oddly specific again about, um, when I talk to the deli, uh, person, I'm like, okay, I want this, like, Paper thin. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. I was like, no, no. I grab him by the shoulder. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: paper
2: thin.
0: <laughs> Camera zooms in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real <laughs>
2: close. And uh, I'll tell you, they get it down uh, just right, and it's just—it is a glorious thing. Almost melts in your mouth for such a a um, probably grossly produced item. It is just perfect.
0: I mean, I'm a, a a good American is just uh, cheddar, but weaker. So it's true.
2: No, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm sort of always shifting around. I think if I want to get um, a little bit fancier, I'd say so, you know a, a gouda, um, and then uh, but the staple is definitely American.
0: All right, uh, <laughs> I guess I guess that's the end of our of our podcast. Uh, if people wanted to uh, find your stuff, where where would they go to find that? What's the best place for them to see what you're
2: working sure. on? Sure, um, I think one of the best ways is we're we're trying to obviously uh, keep the Twitter really up to up to date. So. Uh, yeah. At the deep end games, uh, is a good way to, to follow the. Um, you know, my wife keeps that up to date, you know, obviously, we're we're um, uh, she's on the ball.
0: Everything is everything is tweeted or retweeted or, or liked within seconds. She's
2: fantastic. Um, yeah, obviously, family company means we have to be very, uh, you know, like you said, on the ball. I have to try and uh, you know be as responsive to to um, fans and uh, uh, as responsive as possible. So. She's been doing a fantastic job. So um, at the D End Games, I have my own personal wallet, uh, Twitter as well. At, at game, um, sorry, wow, at Game Over Gardner, ah, Game On Gardner. Wow, sorry, I'm just like all of a sudden getting a uh, brain fog here. <laughs> at Game On Gardner, um, and then obviously check us out on the um, uh, Kickstarter page.
0: All right. Uh if people wanted to find us uh gourd where would they do that The Red Pages podcast
3: at gmail.com. and then just Red Pages podcast and everything else
1: Facebook redpagespodcast.com Red Yeah
0: Uh except for our email Yeah right.
1: That's everything yeah. else
0: yeah. yeah All right um I guess that's it. So I'm I'm gonna say I've been Justin this entire time, and uh, good, goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, keep keep on Trucklestein. That's that's what I <laughs> forgot.